Hello everybody, just wanted to give you a heads up that uh, there was an issue with the audio recording last night. Um, we still have the show, the show you'll be able to hear it as normal, but my microphone was not recording through the microphone you're hearing me through now. It was recording from the laptop audio, so I sound a bit metally, a bit far away. So if, <laughs> if it's completely unlistenable, just skip the episode, we'll be back to normal next week. But uh, I try to clean up as much as I can, uh, I think it's okay. But um, just to give you a heads up that I sound a bit weird. Barry and Joe sound pristine as usual. Another Sunday evening and yet another bank holiday edition of the chair shot podcast although one where i will be working tomorrow i'm very grumpy boys so this is going to be the highlight of my bank holiday weekend uh i of course i'm just one of your hosts joined as always by my ever dependable co-host first of all mr joe towner hi there barry happy sunday happy sunday sir and also paul griffin hello i'm also working tomorrow so oh, 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 we're we're getting we're getting we're getting done over here, pal. Not only working, not only working. I'm also on an earlier shift than I normally do. Outrageous, absolutely yeah. outrageous. It's well, crazy. at the very least, you know, you get that overtime money, which is not too bad. Uh, I have had a nice weekend, though. I will say this uh, uh, non-long bank holiday weekend uh, for myself. Got up really early yesterday. The two of us did and. Went for a lovely walk in County Tipperary, Ooh. Um, a lovely part of the country, um, uh, which is quite nice. Got up early, did that, got a bit of breakfast, did a little bit of shopping, came back, back in time to get the old Twitch stream done for 2 p.m. And then uh, back out again for uh, some uh, a, a little mini tour of, uh, of Limerick, the old uh, takeaway points again, which was quite nice. So, you know, a nice little and great weather uh, this past uh, uh, weekend, so... Uh, a nice little, uh, nice little few days out. One thing I did enjoy uh, was, uh, yeah. So yesterday when I went out, that was with my girlfriend. I did also meet up with some pals of mine from school for a few drinks uh, on Friday. Uh, we got our little drinks. We said, "Oh, let's pop down to the you know the park and the little seating area and, and have our have our drinks." Ooh, a couple of uh, fannies with big signs and a loudspeaker <laughs> and an Irish Republic flag. Waving it about, talking about an old mind control vaccine that they don't want to get. Oh. Um, genuinely, oh. about four people, but they all had flags, um, which was really great. And what was funny was people, myself included, nobody was letting this deter them because they were in like one of the more central parks in Limerick. So everyone was like, "Well, I'm not, I'm not going to not go to the park." They were all kind of making sure to just keep their distance away from uh, from these folks, but. Uh, we were uh, all in our little uh, little group spaced out away from them. Uh, but that was funny. Uh, it was nice to have some entertainment in the park. Um, but yeah, that's been the uh, that's been the long weekend for me. Have you been up to anything, uh, boys, this weekend? Or this week in general, I guess? Mm, quite, quite busy yesterday. Um, so Michelle was going out to meet a friend of hers in London. So I took that opportunity to do one of my very long walks through the city that I, I quite enjoy doing. Um, I've previously in the past done the uh, Thames Path Walk, which is a walk that goes along the River Thames in London. Oh. Uh, it's about 40 miles long. I've done 
didn't do it all at once, <laughs> did it in a few parts, but yeah, enjoyed that. And so Saturday I started another walk, it's called the Capital Ring Walk, and it basically goes around the outside of London through various slightly more kind of green, nature type parts, um, which is quite funny because you kind of go through this very wooded bit and suddenly you emerge by a like dual carriageway or a motorway or something, cross over it, more nature, then you emerge into the middle of a city somewhere, it's just, yeah kind of strange in the, on the outskirts of London. But yeah, I did that, ended up doing 20 miles <laughs> um, all the way around from kind of South London where we are to the to the east of London, uh, finishing up on the Sir Steve Redgrave Bridge <laughs> in East London, which I did not know existed, named after the uh, mm. Olympic rubber. Um, yeah, so I ended up there. It was baking hot. I finished at about half five and it was fucking boiling i couldn't even stand at the train station i had to hide in some shadow until the train arrived um but yeah i was feeling pretty good um didn't know if i was gonna make it the whole way but felt pretty good don't feel too bad today the feet on on completely uh destroyed a little bit a little bit sore a little bit tired but uh yeah i really enjoyed that so that was that was kind of part one of that walk so it's an 80 mile route around london uh, as i've done the first quarter so i'm looking forward to doing part two in a in a month or two uh, yeah, and then met Michelle afterwards for a bit of a dinner in the middle of London. And it was banging. It was absolutely banging in London. Everyone's gone, yes, let's get back out. We'll have a bit of that. We'll have a bit of beer and food in the sun. So, uh, yeah, very, very good Saturday. And then today, just a bit bit more chilled out. It's a good, good weekend. Well, I mean, I've also been walking, but my walking in comparison to a 20 mile walk will, is going to seem very small. Oh, I stepped out my front door and then went, <laughs> went home again. Um, yeah, I, when I used to work in the office, I used to, uh, do a lot of walking. Like my 15 minute break would be 15 minute walk. Yeah. Um, and then since working from home came in, I, I never kept that routine up of walking during the work day. And, uh, as a result, it became a lot more sedentary, um, you know, just like a, a rock in, in a river just sitting there. Um, but yeah, I've actively been trying to walk um, during the day and also then at the end of the day, I'm trying to get a little walk in there as well. Um, just so far as I can hit over 10,000 steps a day. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. Uh, so this week I've done, uh, I'm looking at my app here, 91,000 steps. Um, I don't know what the average of that is, but I did on the 4th, which is two days ago as we record. That was my biggest day. Uh, 20,218 steps. Not bad. Not bad. I just, I'm just trying to get back, trying to get back walking again. So I, I put my big expensive uh, headphones on. Mm-hmm. Um. Hopefully, no one's gonna mug me as I wear those because uh, they are noise cancelling. So, if someone creeps up behind me, Uh-oh. I will, I will oh, not. You're done for. You're done. For. I will not be able to hear them. <laughs> so I'm constantly, as I walk, looking around me <laughs> to make sure there's not someone near me or behind me or whatever. But um, popping the headphones on, um, and going on. F- I I say 15 minutes, right? Don't tell work lads. I really go for a 45 minute. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm telling them. I'm telling them. 
Dear, dear. So I do that. Like that, that will usually bring me to about four or five thousand. And then if I'm if I go to the shop or something later in the day, that'll count towards as well. And then I'll do that same four or five thousand step walk uh, at the end of the day. Usually around this time, actually. Luckily, I don't have to do it today. I'm already up to like seventeen thousand for today, mm-hmm. so I won't, I won't go on my evening walk. But um, what that allows me to do is uh, listen to a lot of music. I actually have been neglecting my podcasts. Um, you know, listening to podcasts as I walk has been a thing for me for almost a decade at this stage. I would say uh, it was very second nature. Anytime I go for a walk, it's you know. A bit of solitary time, a bit of time away from talking to people and people in general. Mm-hmm. Put my headphones on, listen to a podcast, listen to a wrestling podcast, video game podcast, whatever, right? Sports. Uh, but I don't know. Lately, I've just been in more of a music mood. Yeah. So I have a playlist on Spotify, uh, liked songs. You might have heard about it. Anytime I've heard of, I've heard you of that. You give playlist. a little heart to you listen to a song, you go, oh, that'll go on. Put a little heart on it. Uh, so my liked songs playlist has about 4,000 songs in it. And I just whack that on shuffle and go for a walk. And um, occasionally I'll come across a song that I forgot that I like forgot existed. And I, oh, that's a nice one to come across. But also it's allowed me to listen to some new music. So I do have a little impromptu music guff, right? Mm. Which is going to contain the uh the centerpiece of a, an actual new album that's out that i listened to twice this week but also some other things that i'll give brief thoughts on um so the main music of is a new album by a group called black midi uh, i think the album's called cavalcade but that might not actually be correct uh it is cavalcade okay um so just to give a little bit of background, Black Midi are one of these new kind of jazzy rock kind of combinations. Almost like, not quite funk, I guess, but um, you know the way jazz, like a, a typical jazz song before format, you'll have the, the kind of arrhythmic drums. Right? Um, I'm not a professional beatboxer, before you ask. But then apart from that, it'll be very... Um, like brass instrument orientated, uh, oriented even. You'd have the uh, like saxophone, um, maybe like a, a standing bass. So if you imagine the same kind of tenets of jazz but applied to rock instruments, mm. it's more that kind of sound. Um, and even within that, the album itself is very, very eccentric. You have some tracks that sound very um, like Primus, if you've ever listened to Primus. Um, some tracks, your man is like crooning away like Sinatra on it. <laughs> some tracks are a bit more video game influenced like super nintendo sounds that kind of um that kind of influence and yeah i mean i there's eight tracks on the album it's not a particularly long album um and i did mark four of the eight as liked for my liked songs playlist um some of it is like they're not a band that I'm particularly into. I, I, I there's one song off their previous album that I do really like. Uh, it is called, I'll bring it up here, and this is not a joke. This is the actual name of the song. Uh, it is called BM BM BM, all lowercase. BM and um, they're not a band that I, I'm super into. Uh, like I said, I did I do have a passing interest in in that one particular track. 
but uh, I saw it was out and I gave it a listen. And yeah, there are some good, there are some good tracks on it, particularly uh, Hogwash and Balderdash, which, as I said, is very Primacy sounding, and I do like Primus, so I quite enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, so I would say that's probably also the most um, accessible song on the album. So maybe check that out, and if you enjoy it, you listen to the rest of the album. It is a bit weird. Um, some parts of it are very like modern Radiohead as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, Radiohead used to sing songs with uh, acoustic guitars, and now they now everything is done through a like a synthesizer. Um, but they, yeah, sometimes they sound a bit like Radiohead. Sometimes it sounds a bit like Primus. Uh, sometimes it sounds a bit like Frank Sinatra. So if you enjoy it, that kind of combination, you might enjoy it. Uh, I also listened to the new track. New single put out by Lil Nas X, uh, who is a rapper that I very much enjoy. Um, I've only listened to to it twice, but I found it a bit bland, a bit um, wishy-washy as far as pop music goes. Um, Previously, like I've listened to all the songs he's put out prior to this, and they usually have... You know, some combination of being either very, very catchy or provocative. Uh, and yeah. this one I just kind of found to be neither. It's it's about the song is kind of about his his uh, acceptance of his sexuality and and race and how you know both of those going together led to problems for him. But the song itself is not super memorable. Um, right. Like I didn't really love Montero originally. But I kind of came around on it because it's kind of undeniably catchy. I loved Holiday right away. Old Town Road, I love, but it kind of is what it is. And then even the lesser songs like Rodeo, um, Panini. Uh, I've always liked, but this one I, I think is going to take me longer to come around on. I just, like I said, I just found it a bit plain. And uh, I also listened to an EP by a man called Justin Moriello, who is an American. Uh, rock singer, formerly okay. of a band that I like called Zebrahead, um, who oh, are yes, of, of uh, SmackDown versus Raw of fame. SmackDown versus Raw fame. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I don't really particularly like punk pop music, with maybe a f- handful of exceptions. But I actually really enjoyed Zebrahead, uh, at least the early stuff. They then replaced their singer with an altogether more uh, pop punky sounding singer, where they are, you know, they have that kind of California drawl. The thing I liked about Zebrahead is their singer didn't really sound like that, even though they were pop punk. Um, but yeah, he put out, uh, that singer from Zebrahead put out uh, an EP, a solo EP in 2015. Uh, I forget what it's called and I'm not going to bother looking it up because it wasn't that good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it is not a pop punk uh, rock sound as I was expecting. It was more kind of a indie folk uh, nonsense. Okay. Uh, um, It's a four-track EP. I actually quite like two of the tracks on it, and I thought the other two were completely forgettable. Um, I'll give you the names now. To be fair, and this is going to kind of sum it up, I guess, uh, one of the tracks sounded like it wouldn't be out of place on Coldplay's first album. Oof. oof. Um, Now, Barry and Joe have both said oof there. (laughs) I quite like Coldplay's first album, so I I like Coldplay's first parachutes albums, as well. But I wouldn't I would I wouldn't listen to much else beyond. No, that. no. So you wouldn't listen to somebody doing a song that's kind of like a, a faux version of that. No. Uh, the the EP is called How's Life in California. The first track on it is actually really good. I think it's called Forgotten. 
And I really enjoy that. And I was like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting, but it's kind of going in a direction that I'm going to enjoy. And then it was kind of really the only good song. <laughs> and the other, like, I kind of kind of like the Coldplay one because I do like that sound, but it was like super derivative. Um, did I listen to anything else this week that is of note? Um, no, I think that's about it. So there's my little improv uh, music guff. Also, you guys are all the time going to fucking farmers markets, markets, this and that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's my turn to go to the market. Ooh, oh, okay. I've been to a market. So there's a little. They call it a little urban market. I don't know why urban. It's it's no different than any farmers. Is that, market is that just a shop? Is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you go into a field and they have all the the vans and the food. Um, what do you call them? Food stalls and yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, it kind of you know your bog standard market deal. Um, yeah, that was quite good. A load of people there. It was like um, in set up in a very, in a big field, so everything was quite spaced apart. And then in the middle, you had a lot of people kind of sitting there. And yeah, we got some uh, candles. We got Natty got a nice wine glass. Like there was a nice stuff being sold. And then most importantly. I got a big fuck off uh, donut, proper fucking donut. Because um, here's the thing, right? Super Value, Tesco, whatever you have in, in, in the UK, that's the equivalent of Super Value. I don't know. Super Value is your kind of bog standard Irish supermarket, right? Yeah. You have donuts, right? But they're manufactured factory donuts made by a machine to a specification right and they're all the fucking same no none of these donuts although nice have any personality to them they're just there's your four donuts right yeah um so these were fucking big fucking donuts mm-hmm. um you, like fried loaded frost and slathered on them i was like oh this is what donuts used to be this is what donuts used to be before these <laughs> pc bastards came in and ruined them <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a very, very nice donut. I was very, very happy with it. Um, twice the size of a donut I would normally have, probably. Uh, I just went for the the icing, right? Uh, and it was like proper, like um, like frosting sugar icing. Um, it was quite nice. But I, I do want to go back and try a chocolate donut because chocolate donut to me is like the king of donuts. Yeah, uh, as nice as frosting was, I do want to have a chocolate. One. Um, Here's the thing, though, right? Why? The donut stall, right? He had a big glass partition up because of COVID and all that, right? But he had so many donuts for sale, the donuts on display kind of went to either side of where the plastic was blocking off. So the plastic, almost like a sneeze guard. You can't get into the donuts. But on the right and left of the screen, the donuts were kind of accessible, right? So we're queuing, waiting for the donuts. And then these little snot-nosed punk children run up. <laughs> and one of them, one little girl, sticking her fingers all over the donuts. Like, actually touching them. What? Touching the donuts. <laughs> in this day and age. how annoyed this made you. <laughs> I was red-faced with rage. I was like, why is the donut man not screaming at these kids to go away? He was just looking at them like, oh. Kids aren't kids wonderful. I was like, not in COVID times when they're touching me donuts <laughs> I'm gonna buy. Or or anytime, let's be honest. Anytime, you know. Yeah, don't be touching food I, 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 I don't 
I don't like that in any capacity, to be quite honest. No. And here's another thing that made me angry today. This is one of the best segments, by the way, when Paul gets angry by little things. Yeah. Um, some small talk made me angry, Barry and Joe. Go on. Um, I'm, I'm, for the people can't see, I'm wearing uh, a Manchester United jersey. Right? I'm actually oh, yeah. wearing the exact same jersey I wore when we did our video podcast. Okay. 2015-16 home kit, I want to say. But um, we went down this morning. We're minding a greyhound at the moment. We took her down um, to the village here, and we we got her a little treat. There's a little cafe that does like ice cream and stuff. We got her like a little ice cream for her, and then I of course got a little ice cream for me. And as I was standing there with my ice cream in hand, as Natty was paying for the stuff, I was standing outside with the greyhound. Um, this other lad comes out of the shop and looks mm-hmm. at me and goes, "Horrible jersey you've on there." What? Like, don't talk to me. Who are you? Get away! I don't want to talk to you. you I should have said something rude to him, but yeah, I'm but so... I, I, what? I can't yeah. believe that. Do you know when people are just no? But it, it, you know, in Ireland, it's very common. Everyone who is a football fan will usually be a Liverpool fan, United fan, mm. um, Celtic fan. Maybe if you, who gives a shit about Scottish football? To be honest, but yeah. um, you know, they, they, if you see a Liverpool fan, they might give you a little. Oh, fucking shite jersey you're on there you know so just something but like this lad literally he was two seconds out the door looking at me going oh shit jersey you're on there i'm like fuck you get away from me oh people are so annoying i oh i, I was literally steven wishing he would die <laughs> <laughs> for, for to, in his mind probably the smallest of little comments but to me it's like don't talk to me you don't know me you don't know me. You might you get a little fucking glass in your eye. Anyway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, wow, we wow. Anyway, speaking of football, Joe. Euro 2020. Euro 2020. Rundown. Here we go. Preview. We'll, do a, we'll do a quick rundown. This podcast is going very yeah. long. We, we're 22 minutes in. We're still doing life enough. Um Euro 2020. How excited are you? Give us your England chances rating. Um, well, in, in terms of excitement, I'm positively orgasmic. I can't wait. Okay. I, love, I love the summer tournaments. It's been three, three long years. Yeah. And the last the World, World Cup. Cup was great. Oh, it was fucking it was great. brilliant. It was the birth of VAR, which at the time was quite exciting. Now it's yes. a pain. Then it was like, way VAR, yeah. yeah. Now we hate it, but it, it was a great tournament. Um, so yeah, very very excited. In terms of England's chances, a oh, bit bit pessimistic. Um, really? Yeah, even though I think we've probably got a better group of players. They um, definitely have a better team they had in the in the World Cup, and they got to the semi-finals yeah. of that. But I think you always get there always seems to be a hangover, like after Italian ninety. Um, I think we lost all three games at ninety two right. after Euro ninety six. Actually, we didn't do bad at World Cup ninety eight. We did. We got knocked out in the second round, but it was actually a pretty, pretty good team, and we played pretty well. But yeah, I was going to worry. There's going to be a bounce back, and we won't build on the momentum. It will just be a bit, a bit flat. The last two right. friendlies have been very strange because actually, very few of the first team players, even the squad players, were in those games. It was actually five or six players that aren't even in the squad. So yeah. it's a bit hard to tell. You know, is 
Ben Godfrey's performer or Ben White, whoever Ben White is. <laughs> Sounds like a fake NXT name to me. Um, but yeah, hard to tell based on their performances what it's going to be. So I'm a little bit pessimistic. Yeah. Also the fact that if we do win the group, we will be up against the group of death, which is <laughs> France, um, Germany, Portugal, Portugal Hung- yeah. Hungary. So wouldn't necessarily mind Portugal or Hungary, but France or Germany could be uh, could be dangerous. And then it's that thing of even if you play pretty well, you get knocked out in the second round by France and everyone goes, well, it was shit. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, we were still a good team. We just came up against a really good team early on, whereas we could have gone further and, you know, whatever. But yeah. I'm that, a happened to, that happened to us in the Euros in 2016. Got through the second round, got knocked out by France. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whereas if you're drawn... Uh, Northern Ireland, Poland, you know, suddenly you're in the quarterfinals, yeah, semifinals, yeah, yeah. and it's a great summer because um, you played shit teams. But yeah, I don't, I don't really don't know which way it's going to go. It could be really good, it could be pants, but uh, I'm still very, just very excited for the tournament anyway. Yeah, it's going to be great. I think England are favourites with uh, Paddy Power at the moment. Well, it's a bit silly, isn't it? Really? I yeah, know. I mean. Even looking at the group of death, I think like France. You look at France and Portugal's squads. You're like, fuck, you know? <laughs> superstars in every position. Um, which worries me for Germany's chances because I we did our little pool here. Mm. Um, just the five of us in the house, and uh, so everyone gets like four or five teams. One person gets one team less because obviously you can't divide twenty four evenly between twenty five. Uh, but I got uh, England and Germany. Ooh. So I will be cheering on our friends across the Irish Sea. But um, in a more accurate mm. sense, mm. I'll be cheering on the Germans. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, he's the Germans. So I Thank did God. buy, I did get a little Germany, <laughs> little Germany jersey. Um, That's a very nice one, though. That is... Yeah, the Italian 90. The, the current German kit is awful so i said fuck that i'm not buying that shite give me the old one um what about the one? old germany jersey <laughs> yeah the west west germany i was gonna say to be pedantic it's the west germany jersey it's not germany um, bring back the wall as well god damn it that's the wall brother <laughs> that's is their wall mine brother <laughs> oh god this is a stupid bit <laughs> I would have gotten England to kick, but I didn't feel like getting my head kicked in. So I went I went with the Nazi one instead, the safe one. Oh, that's oh, terrible. That's... Don't say that. No, that's oh, that's Sorry, it's all right to make fun of the English, but come on now. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they're my, they're my Euro picks. Come on, England and Germany, please, God. Anyway. All righty. Uh... One last thing, I did have a, a bit of news this morning, lads. I only hit the old affiliate status on the old Twitch. Ooh. So the cash is about to start rolling in, uh, brothers. I can you get the. You know, we uh, have to get a cut of that, right? Well, I don't play any chair shot podcast content on there. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We own your likeness. Does that, mean I, does that mean I have to bleep that Nazi comment for a few seconds ago? Uh, I'm not sure what the rules are. They allow swearing, they allow body content. I think we'd right. be all right. Okay. Um, yeah, but I may need. To I was review. only joking, in case Twitch are listening. I may need to review that um, that chair shot contract I signed uh, a decade <laughs> plus ago. Yeah, in two thousand nine um, or something when we launched the website. But yeah, I can uh, I can start putting ads up on my thing. I can start getting subscribers. I can. Ooh. 
I, I made little emotes of my face earlier that if people oh, want to see I want to see them. You can see them. Uh, when can you see them? This coming when Wednesday night, brother. You know what that means. Drop in, drop in Wednesday night. Uh, drop in Wednesday night. Live, 8 p.m. Uh, and you can, see, you can see them, but you can't use them unless you give me a five or a month, baby. You cannot... <laughs> cannot use them to be honest like when i when i was at i was like i would like i oh, i don't care about like i would just like to make them free because there's stupid little pictures of my face but they're like no you 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 must charge people to use these pictures of your face in your chat room and they're like all right never mind um, <laughs> but did you have to just like pose and then crop your little picture out well no it can be or whatever you want if you if you're an artist you can doodle a little whatever you could do a little german fellow yeah. playing football but i'm asking you what did you do Oh, I, I literally just because I I was not going to pose like a fool, but I did I did go into I did go into basically my uh, my Snapchat thing where ah, okay. you know the, the little cutouts you could do of people's faces. Yeah, uh, I have I haven't even used that thing in years, but I just know me and my friends have a little uh, collections of each other's faces from screen grabs of years gone by, and I was like, all right, here's Very one good. of me, here's yeah. one of me looking confused, here's one of me pulling a stupid face, here's one of me with a cat filter on. I was like, that'll do. And the right. cat filter one, that'll be great because I'm going to start playing Bowser's Fury soon. So whenever I'm a cat, people can just post the cat Barry in the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's fun. That's nice. Nice to uh, hit a nice little early milestone there. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, that's the life guff. Working tomorrow, unfortunately, but there you go. Uh, let's jump in to the television guff. Uh, I didn't watch too much telly this week uh i watched last week's episode of modok which was very funny i have not yet seen this week's so i'll get to that uh, probably after this podcast i think that might be my pre-bedtime watch uh that show is uh, amusing I, i'm enjoying that i'm enjoying it more than any of the other ori- disney plus originals i've seen so far uh the most i guess the most substantive thing i watched this week was the friends reunion uh the something like 90 90 minute long 100 100 minute 100 hours jesus christ no uh 100 minute long reunion that they did for hbo max it was on sky over here it was all right uh it was all right it was kind of like it was kind of nice. They got all the cast back. They all said, oh, well, oh, look, here's the old set we used to work on. Oh, and then they told some of the stories. Oh, I remember when you uh, fell over. Oh, that was funny. Oh, I remember uh, this scene. Oh, that was great. And then the casting people and the director and the producer were like, oh, casting this person was such a challenge. And it was all right. And then it was just kind of like, you know, when, when it was all said and done, you kind of realized they all got paid like $5 million to show <laughs> up and go, oh, yeah, this is, that's the kitchen where we shot most of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we had we had fun. No, we did. We just we had fun. We did. We did. And that was kind of it. It was just it was I, I it was all right, but it was kind of just it could have just as easily been a, a Channel Four Talking Heads Top Fifty Friends moments right. uh, thing because they had a bunch of celebrities on that were mostly fine. They had David Beckham on there. They had BTS. They had all these other people, but they mostly just talked, you know, somewhat earnestly about, oh, this is a thing I liked, and this is why it was so significant in the 90s. Um, and then they were flicking back and forth between little vignettes like that and the cast just literally just milling around the set and then sitting down on the set to do, like, table reads of famous moments. And all that stuff was lovely. But they, then they'd intercut it with... 
All right, it's bloody James Corden here. And that, what, Ross and Rachel, what was all that about? Were they on a break, were they? I was like, oh, you insufferable cunt. I can't <laughs> fucking stand you. He's so fucking annoying. Um, and I was like, I don't understand why, why they had to have a live audio, live audience segment when the bits where it was just like, look, here's the cast is getting back together. They, they haven't seen each other in years. And they're going to talk about what it was like doing the show. I, I didn't need a shitty late night host of, of any description um, uh, to court. Uh, yeah, but it, uh, I think that was just kind of it. It was just a nice little nostalgia thing. I think the big the big thing, though, is that don't watch this if you want any kind of like substance uh, deep dive into the history of the show. It's all just very much kind of, oh, well, you know, uh, Matt LeBlanc was actually working on a different show, but uh, he decided he wanted to work on ours. So isn't that funny? It's like, yeah, not really. And like, um, <laughs> you know, Matthew Perry making very weird offhand comments about how, oh, you know, live audience is great, but also uh, sometimes when they don't laugh at your bits, you just want to die. And then everyone look, looking around kind of awkwardly for a second. Like, oh, maybe we should talk about that. Maybe that'd be interesting. It's like, no, no, time to, time to show the clip of the, the couch pivoting up the stairs. Oh, it's God. like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't think they had to fucking go really deep dive into it. So, yeah, so Matthew, what were you smoking during this season? Because you really seemed like you were not doing well. Um, <laughs> but they didn't, like, they didn't touch on anything of any real note in that regard. Like, they, you know, David Schwimmer as well makes this comment, oh, you know, it was kind of tough because everyone in the entire world knew us and the only people who knew what it was actually like to go through were the other cast members. And he says that, and then it's just on to the next vignette about, right. you know, and it's just like, okay, I actually kind of would have thought it would have been interesting to talk about you know, the hardships of being the most famous six people in the world in, like, 1998. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but none of that, baby. So that was a bit of a bummer, but it was a fine nostalgia trip for fans. Um, that's about it. Uh, type of thing you'd never watch again. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was it. Nothing. No, no other TV for me this week. Uh, Radio, I have watched two things. Uh, another episode of The Leftovers, a really good one. Um, episode three. Uh, it doesn't focus on the main character. It focuses on a character played by, oh, I forget his first name, Eccleston, who used to be Doctor Who. What's Christopher. Christopher Eccleston. He's fucking great in it as well. He plays like, obviously, as I said last time, Leftovers is about people who disappear from Earth for Earth. some reason, right? Uh, he plays like a priest who is denouncing the idea that this was some kind of rapture by try to publicize how some of the people who disappeared were very bad, uh, for which he's getting a lot of backlash because you have obviously families of the people who disappeared. He's going, no, this guy was a diddler or something. And he's getting like beat up and stuff because of it. But uh, he had a really good little single episode arc. Um, and I've been meaning to follow up on that, but I didn't get a chance to watch episode four. But I'm uh, three through 28 now. So I have 25 left to go in this show. But episode three was a big step up from one and two. So big, big thumbs up on that. And also the finale of Mayor of Easttown aired last week. Mm. Um, it was very good, I would say. Um, I don't want to say too much about it because I now that the show is finished, I would definitely recommend people check it out. It's well, well worth a watch. Um performances across the board all excellent uh the mystery very engaging the character stuff very engaging 
Um, so I don't want to obviously don't want to spoil anything, but I, I even to the point that I don't want to say things that are going to set expectations either way in people's mm. minds when they sit down to watch it, you know? Because um, if you heard, you know, oh, the finale was a bit of a letdown, you're going. That's going to affect how you watch the show, knowing that the finale is a letdown. I'll say the fin- I was not let down by the finale, nor did I think it was like groundbreakingly excellent. Right. Um, I would say, as far as the the revelation, ultimately uh, of the mystery, um, I I neither thought it was um like it it wasn't what I hoped it wouldn't be. I think I said on on this podcast where one character is suddenly revealed to have been evil the whole time and they're like twirling their mustache. Very much not that. So happy days for that. Uh, but simultaneously, I felt that there were there were kind of one too many um, convolutions required to kind of get where it ended up. And I'll say no more than that. But um, it was a a great show. Um, luckily, didn't shit the bed when it ended. And uh, so I'll give it a big thumbs up. And please, God, never do a season two. <laughs> there is no point. The show wraps up very definitively at the end. A neat little bow. Yeah, so there's no point to do a sequel. And, of course, they've been talking about it because it's been a big success. Mm. Oh, that's lame. No sequel, please. Kind of like Watchmen, where Lindelof was like, I'm not doing season two, fuck off. (laughs) He was like the whole creative driving force behind Watchmen. So, they similarly, they wanted to do a season two of Watchmen, but if if they ever go ahead and do one, Lindelof won't be involved, which is he kind of created the show. So yeah, nice. they'll just get some other hack to come along. Yeah, and it'll be nothing like season one, and everyone will hate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Snyder, watch another hack it is, <laughs> sir. God. Anyway, that's what I've watched. Um, well, I um, have big news this week. So we finally finished off the sixth season run of Dawson's Creek. <gasps> oh, I don't want to wait for Farewell. this to be over farewell dear um, dawson farewell dawson pacey jen joey uh, and all the other supporting characters who weren't as interesting um so it was it was a show i kind of enjoyed the overall experience of it um there's a lot of episodes that are very frustrating and i think it's also a show that suffered from the creator leaving pretty early on and then it, it sort of flounders a little bit right. trying to figure out what kind of show this was you know who what are people interested in because even though the show the show is named after dawson he was never really a particularly popular character um i think the other characters tended to to be more popular with you know a lot of fans so um overall i quite enjoyed it and i did get quite attached to the characters and, and the sort of world in the end um i don't think it's actually like a good show in the same way as like gilmore girls for example is something michelle kind of forced me to watch but um after watching it i thought it was a genuinely like good tv show in terms of the writing the themes mm. characters and everything i thought that was genuinely good whereas dawson's creek it's more like yeah i kind of got into it because i watched six seasons of it but i think it was actually a yeah, pretty good show uh in terms of the ending I won't go into spoilers, but there's one character that they did particularly dirty and they kind of just threw a very melodramatic storyline on them for the last two, literally the last two episodes out of nowhere, right. um, which was just 
really shit because they actually wrapped up all the other characters kind of stories pretty well. Like I was quite satisfied with the direction they went in and it was quite nice. And I think they could have just let the finale kind of breathe and spent more time with those other storylines and characters. They kind of threw in this big, juicy, dramatic one for, you know, I guess for the ratings. But um, yeah, overall, quite sort of satisfied with how it ends. Some of the final episodes were pretty dreadful, but <laughs> overall, overall, I'd say quite fond of Dawson's Creek. And I'm glad I've kind of I had a real nostalgia for it, even though I didn't watch it because it's got that real 90s vibe. I think I said that before, but it's because it, it feels like one of those 90s, sort of late 90s, early 2000s shows. Um, so I have a real kind of nostalgia for it, even though I didn't watch it at the time. And I was kind of glad we watched it. But um, yeah, now time now time to move on to another series. I'm not sure what, but yeah, farewell. Farewell, Dawson's Creek. You were, you were okay while you lasted. <laughs> so yeah, that was Dawson's. Um, you've, you've really got me in the mood now to watch Gilmore Girls. You should watch a bit of Gilmore. I know, we finished season one and we took a break and maybe it's time for season two. Because I, I really time. enjoyed season one. I think it's time. So we'll we'll be watching that again. For us, that's an, an autumn show. I refuse to watch Gilmore Girls in the, in the, <laughs> in the spring or summer. It's an autumnal show. That's, it's that's set fair in, enough. It is. It's set in, enough, like, uh, in New England. So yeah. we'll be watching that at, once the summer's over. <laughs> Um, but yeah, as well as a bit of Dawson's Creek, I've also got the return of a very popular feature. It is C.S. Mpsons. So this is the feature where I read out the plot of the corresponding Simpsons episode to our episode number. Um, so today we are on Cheshire podcast episode 522. So I'm going to read the plot description for episode 522 of The Simpsons, um, which is called Gorgeous Grandpa. Uh, It's actually a very appropriate plot, which you'll you'll discover in a moment. I think Um, think I'm vaguely aware of this. I hate it already. (laughs) It's Gorgeous Grandpa. So this is the 14th episode of season 24, and it went out on March the 3rd, 2013. Okay, Okay, so here comes the plot. Homer becomes addicted to a reality TV show called Storage Battles and decides to participate in a storage unit auction as a result. He wins the storage unit with $1,000, outbidding several townspeople and Stampy the Elephant. Um, The family goes through its contents to find it is full of women's clothes and muscle man magazines belonging to Grandpa Simpson. Oh, what? What? Marge comes to the conclusion that Grandpa is a closeted homosexual. (laughs) I'm reading what it says. uh, Who was forced to be heterosexual through most of his life. Homer and Marge set Grandpa up with Waylon Smithers, who of course is the only gay person in Old Springfield. Um, But the plan fails when Mr. Burns arrives and scares Smithers off. Marge then admits to Grandpa that she thought he was homosexual, to which (laughs) Grandpa becomes enraged and Mr. <laughs> and Mr. Burns reveals that Grandpa actually used to be an old-time gorgeous George-type wrestler called Glamorous Godfrey, whose radical fighting style was heavily despised by the wrestling fan community, forcing him to retire. Uh, Burns reveals himself to be Godfrey's biggest fan, and only living one. And he then persuades Grandpa to return to the wrestling scene, which Grandpa does. 
though he is again met with loathing, Grandpa continues the act under Burns' manipulation. Bart soon becomes fascinated with Grandpa and starts mimicking the mannerisms Grandpa uses in the ring. However, he also attracts hatred and it worries Homer and Marge, but pleases Grandpa and Burns. Under Burns' supervision, Grandpa and Bart partner up in a tag team wrestling match. Marge tries to appeal to Grandpa, but he turns her efforts down. However, he then changes his mind when he observes Bart harassing the audience and takes on another wrestling identity that he calls Honest Abe in order to convince Bart to stop his ways. When Burns protests against this, Grandpa and Bart defeat him in the ring. And afterwards, the two retire from wrestling. So that was gorgeous Grandpa. I mean, it doesn't sound very good, but I will say it sounds less contrived then, like, some of these ones you've read us has been kind of, like, mm. there's, like, four, um, uh, like, right. uh, deviations. Portrait, like, it's, yeah. like, the, the plot is, like, a Russian doll, whereas this is yeah. kind of, like, a relative direct route to, okay, and then Grandpa was a wrestler. That's the, you know, yeah, fair right, enough. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'll be in a rush to watch that one either, though. Um, no. no. It, yeah, it doesn't sound too bad, but, again, it's, like, a, it's a little bit of fighting hellfish, um, you know, they discover something from Grandpa's past, and Mr. Burns is, of course, involved. And then also a little bit of Homer's phobia. <laughs> yeah. Know, they seem to be worried about Bart being a flamboyant gay heel. Um, yeah. I also just, uh, I, I'm like, again, to compare it to the glory years, I was kind of like that, like, you know, their send up of Cheers was sort of Homer looks for a new bar and ends up in the bar from Cheers, and they do a little riff mm. on that. Whereas in this, it's just like, okay, what if, what if Homer just was watching Storage Wars a lot? Like, yeah. okay, okay, I guess that's that's not very interesting. And we, what if we called it Storage Battles? Okay, uh, no, that yeah. is that is best we good. Well, we're out of time, so we better just get that get that set off. Yeah, it's um, never really a satire. They used to do kind of satires of TV shows. Um, but now it's just a reference to yeah. Now it's show. just have have you seen this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was uh, C.S. Impsons uh, returning once again. Nice to have it back. It's good stuff. Uh, alrighty, we can uh, jump into the movie golf. Who has seen some effing movies? I think we all have this week. Uh, who wants yeah. to go first? I'll go first then. Okay. Okay. Um, I rewatched The Matrix. All right. And let me tell you, The Matrix still bloody good. Yeah. Still yeah. very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the the thing, not they are remotely similar at all. But the thing I was thinking of when I finished watching it was Blair Witch, because I was like, it's 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 pretty impressive and indicative of how actually good this film is that it's among the most parodied things in the 20 of the 21st century and it's still really enjoyable to watch like, not only parody but like those two films the shittest referential comedy imaginable everything in 2001 had a bit where they just did a matrix dive yeah and it yeah. was never funny the simpsons were still doing it into like 2004 i feel like um always just oh so terrible that was so overdone in that era but anyway you go back and watch the movie it is still cracking i have never seen the sequels i have my hands on a box set and for better or worse i'm going to do it i'm going to watch the matrix sequels in the coming uh, uh weeks 
So um, I'll, I'll be interested to know what you think of them. Maybe being the only person in the world who won't have watched them with the expectations that they would be as good as the first one. Yeah, that's it. I am kind of coming into it for this weird thing of like, well, everyone more or less hates them, so... Well, uh, I I think um, the second second one, one Reloaded, is is fine. Yeah, most people seem to like that one. And the third Uh, one, the third one's a stinker. Yeah, so uh, speaking of the third one's a stinker... Oh, Fincher's been done. I uh, eat shit, buddy. Uh, I also watched uh, Alien 3 for the first time. Um, and after nearly falling asleep seven times, I did figure out that the uh, incredibly illegal version of the film I watched, some absolute psychopath criminal, and he is a criminal, or he or she is a criminal who should go to jail, decided to up- upload the the assembly cut to the, the website I was using to watch this movie. Because I watched the version that, like, I guarantee you if this film was 90 minutes, it would still be boring and and and, and not very interesting. I watched the two and a half hour oh version. My oh my god. God, oh my fucking... What's really... It's bad for a multitude of reasons, but this this version of the film, it literally kind of, like, resolves, and then they just, like, sort of press the reset button to let the villain escape, let the alien out, and, like, all right, I guess we'll keep going for another hour then. <laughs> oh my God! Oh my God! And it, it started off relatively interesting. Um, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, Ripley, you know, the escape pod from the Invalians, they crash onto, like, a prison colony planet. Oh my God, this is interesting. Um, and there's some really nice kind of like uh, uh, um, uh, matte paintings. It's really interesting, like like you know, uh, depressing kind of you know uh, uh, harsh uh, architecture in the background. I'm like, all right, yeah, you know, you you know, you got you got Mr. Giger and the lads back in to do the alien effects and the set design, all this other stuff, and the and the prison looks okay when they're setting up the plot. I'm like, yeah, all right, all right, all right, let's see where this goes. And then it's it's just kind of like, okay, we made an alien movie again. But we, and with like a really good eclectic c- cast on paper, you got Tywin Lannister in there. Uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, you got a couple of other familiar faces, but it's just it's just very very flatly written, very dull. Um, uh, uh, retrotting a lot of the same ground, but with um, and the things that are new are not well done. And uh, you know, spoilers for this thirty year old movie, but it's kind of like uh, they just like uh, in in the sort of the opening act of the movie that sets up the plot they oh, they just like uh, kill off newt and kill off all that other stuff from the second movie uh it's just ripley it's just ripley on a new adventure it's like oh okay that second movie was kind of cool you're going to continue it no you're not going to continue it from that all right never mind then that's fine just <laughs> just just plopping ripley into another generic alien adventure all right that's that's disappointing yeah so that was shit um and like i said yeah if if for any reason if anyone if anyone's like i'm gonna i'm going to Rewatch the Alien series from from the beginning, which I'm going to keep going. We're going to watch. We're going to watch the rest of them. But mm. if you do get your hands on some sort of definitive collector's edition uh, box set, for the love of Jesus, do not watch the extended version of this because it was so fucking long. It was so long. Um, yeah, so that was a disappointment. Uh, I can't imagine Resurrection is going to be much better, but that's next on the list. Um, <laughs> so I have Matrix sequels and that to look forward to. Um, but that was uh, that was the movies for me this week. Although next week, lads, big old return to the motion picture theater Ooh. here in the in the glorious. And actually, it might need to be a Monday show next week because I'm going at eight o'clock on Sunday because it's the only time we could get. Um, mm, prime time, uh, prime time. Yeah, so we are going to see uh, Un Quieta Place Part Deux. 
uh, there were two I, I, the, the cinemas here I don't know what the situation is there's only of the three of them only one of them has a schedule up and the one that has a schedule up is showing two films uh, Quiet Place and Peter Rabbit they're showing those two films they're showing them <laughs> they're showing them at eight o'clock every day and that is it so I don't know if they're wow. trying to do incredibly limited capacity don't come here except for you know 10 people at a time Right. But um, which is also why I, I did not I did not simply choose to do it at podcast time, but it was like that was that, that was the way our calendars aligned and the cinema is not they are they are seemingly very slowly easing back into their uh, uh, their their routine. Paul, have you got anything booked? I know obviously the cinema has been back open in the UK. For no, a I'm very happy to hear though that my favorite cinema in Dublin is reopening the Lighthouse. Oh, the Lighthouse, yeah. Um. So no, I don't have any cinema plans at the moment. I, I we cancelled our unlimited cards to Cineworld a year ago, so I, I'm I'm open to you know taking on a new cinema as the as the uh, permanent spot. But they're dead, aren't they? Cinema in Dublin, Cineworld are dead. <laughs> Who knows? I don't. Know. Fair, I think they are. <laughs> um, so, um, but the lighthouse will still be open, and I I adore the lighthouse. So yeah, that's nice. It's nice to have the old spots back. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I cancelled my my unlimited too. So now that it's a fresh slate, I'm like, all right, who's who's coming back <laughs> with a full schedule first, boys? Yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah. see. Let's uh, and and let's let's see those competitive prices. How desperate are you to stay in business, fellas? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have a view cinema. Half the distance from us as Cineworld was, so we might mm. go there, but we'll see. Views are good. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of uh, speaking of being back to the cinema, I didn't mention this in Life Guff because it was such a packed edition. But uh, <laughs> on Thursday, uh, Michelle and I did make our long-awaited return to the movie theater. Oh, look at that! Um, the first time since seeing Tenet last uh, July. Yeah. Uh, in the in the in a disgusting IMAX uh, where we both had uh, panic attacks because no cunt was wearing a mask and it was horrible. Oh, we were sat there. Um, but yeah, anyway, we, we were back and this was a much more pleasant experience at our local picture house. Um, very small screen. It's like a, tw- a 30 seat screen. Yeah. Um, there were only about seven people in there. Um, so we went to see a little movie called First Cow. Um, which I knew absolutely nothing about going into because uh, Michelle picked it. She really wanted to see it. Um, and I, uh, it's about a cow. There is a cow involved. <laughs> it's, set, it's set in kind of the gold rush era uh, United States. Don't know when that is. 1800s probably. Whatever. But gold rush times. Uh, and it's about two sort of lads that become friends uh, in a little settlement in Oregon that has just taken delivery of the first uh, Jersey cow um, in that in that area. So this cow is is the only source of kind of you know cream and milk within the the settlement. Um, and so these two these two friends um, begin. One of them is, has been trained as a, an apprentice baker, kind of back on the east coast before going out to Oregon. Uh, and they start sneaking into this rich man's field every night to steal milk from the cow so that they can bake delicious uh, treats, which they then sell to the people in the settlement. So I won't give you any more spoilers, but that's the kind of the, the premise. And it was really, I, by the end, I was really kind of into it. And the first 20, 30 minutes are very slow. It's a very kind of altered indie movie. Same, I think. Same woman wrote, directed, and did the cinematography oh, wow. and edited as well. I think she was doing everything. She might. She did the a... Snyder. She was a Snyder. I think she was even in the cow costume. I don't know. <laughs> possibly. 
but yeah, it was a very kind of auteur indie movie. And so the first 20 minutes are so very, very slow. Camera, static camera, doesn't move. Um, no cuts, just just long shots. And so I was sitting there thinking, I don't know how I can get through two hours of this because it's been a year, it's been a year since we went to the cinema. I'm used to just being on my phone constantly while watching a movie, if I'm honest. I don't have the attention span. Uh, I'm also out of practice at sitting in a cinema seat as well because although they're pretty comfortable, when you've been just collapsed on your sofa for 18 months, <laughs> having to sit in a proper chair <laughs> is quite quite tough. Um, but yeah, but after that first kind of 20, 30 minutes, it did start to de- develop and, and the relationship between the two main characters really comes to the fore and you start to get a bit more kind of tension. It's like the world that they're in starts to expand as well. So I really, really liked it in the end. I think you have to kind of stick with it a little bit, but I would definitely recommend um, checking that one out. First Cow, if you haven't heard about it. And it's a pretty pretty small movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was great. Um, Some other movies I watched, I watched Spider-Man, the original Tobey Maguire 2002 Spider-Man. Haven't seen that in years and years and years and years and years. Um, It's still really, really enjoyable. Um, very strange watching it after the last kind of 15 years of Marvel movies because yeah. it does tonally feel so, so different. It is It has a very 90s kind of feel to it, even though it's 2002. Um, so like The Mask with Jim Carrey or something like that. Like it just In terms of the comedy and the way it's shot and the slightly cartoonish moments where... Um, like where Peter's having the fight in the high school and he does like 10 backflips in the air. Yeah, yeah. And the lads is like, oh, they wouldn't do that, that these days. It's way too cartoony. Um, but yeah, really, really, really good. I'm thinking we're, we're going to watch uh, the other kind of Spider-Men um, movies, Spider-Men movies, Spider-Mans. Um, we'll catch up with the rest of those. But it was really good. Watched Nomadland, Nomadland as well. Um, found it quite boring, if I'm honest. Um I was expecting something slightly different. I thought it was going to be more about kind of displacement and, and, and poverty, you know, in America. And it, it was, but it was also about this kind of culture of being a nomad and people who choose to be on the road and yeah. not be tied down. I didn't really, wasn't really expecting that. And so I didn't necessarily find it as kind of as compelling as I thought I would. Gave it a gentleman's uh, seven out of 10. Um, right. But uh, yeah, not bad, but not, I wasn't too kind of into it. Um. And finally, the fourth film I watched was um, the Sir Alex Ferguson documentary, Never Never Give In. Um, So I spoke, I think, was it last week or the week before, about the Eric Cantona, uh, the United Way documentary that's been on Sky, which was just very sort of (laughs) unnecessary. Didn't have a lot new new to talk about in it. Um, This was a lot better. Um, So it was actually made by one of his his sons, uh, who's, who's a documentarian, and um, it, it really kind of kicks off talking about he the brain hemorrhage that he had. Uh, I think it's 2018. So he had a very serious brain hemorrhage, was rushed to hospital, you know, emergency surgery, touch and go, whether he'd survive, whether he'd, you know, lose his kind of you know, brain capacity, whether he could speak and walk again. And thankfully, he's, he made, you know, as, as full of recovery as, as you can make after something that serious. Um, but it very much kind of intertwines that incident with talking about his entire career. Um, and it was very, very interesting to see quite a human side of, of um, Sir Alex because, you know, as a manager and doing interviews, always very guarded, very kind of stiff, very no-nonsense. But here you see a lot more of the human side of him. And it's very kind of interesting. 
talks about him growing up in in Glasgow, um, going in the shipyards there. His dad wanting him to to get a you know an apprenticeship before he became a footballer. Um, it then goes into his marriage to his wife Kathy. Um, and hello, so basically, he grew up about two hundred yards from from Ibrox, which is the Glasgow Rangers um, stadium. Uh, and he grew up in in a Protestant family. I think his mum was Catholic, but his dad was Protestant. He was raised as a Protestant. Right. But then he married Kathy, his wife, who was a devout Catholic. Um, but of course, his dream was to play for Glasgow Rangers, which, if anyone doesn't know, is the right. kind of pro- Protestant team uh, in Glasgow, whereas Celtic is you know more Catholic supporters. Um, and of course, so him being married to a Catholic then kind of caused problems as he went to play for Rangers. And he talked about a lot of the kind of pressure and the comments he received uh, from that. Um, and the fact that he basically, what was quite a promising football career for him as a striker playing for, for Rangers was kind of ended and he never really knew why. And was it due to the kind of, you know, Catholic Protestant divide? Was it, you know, he, did, he didn't fit. He wasn't really sure. So it was very kind of interesting to look, to look back at that. And then it skips quite quickly into his sort of management career, um, moving first to Aberdeen, then to Manchester United, um, I'd say the no- notable thing was the time at Aberdeen is really interesting and I think probably overshadowed by his time at United, obviously. But what he did with Aberdeen, which was, just, you know, a kind of middle-of-the-road Scottish football team, he took them from never winning anything to winning th- three league titles, Cup Winners' Cup against Real Madrid, Scottish Cups. Like, it was just a miracle because he didn't <laughs> spend loads of money, sign loads of players. He just took this group of players and threw like man management and performance just got them to be a winning team, which was pretty amazing. And I think that's the really one of the more interesting parts of it. Um, and then it kind of goes through his time at United, focuses a lot actually on the first sort of four or five years where they weren't winning anything and when he was trying to rebuild the club and the team and the pressure he was under, because you kind of forget that he was basically, you know, on the verge of the sack quite a few times. The fans hated him. They thought he was crap. They wanted him out until they got to like 1991 and he started winning trophies. And then it, it just snowballed into being the most successful manager of British manager of all time. Um, so really good. Um, funny, funny thing is it kind of ended on the same point as the Eric Cantona documentary, which is uh, them doing the treble and the, um, you know, the, the European Cup final in Barcelona in the new camp, Solskjaer, last minute goal. Both of the documentaries end with that same thing, which is quite funny because it's almost as if that was like the final act of football or the final act of Sir Alex. When, of course, he went on for another 14 years after that and won another eight league titles and another European Cup, another FA, you know, FA Cup, League Cup. Um, of course, it's the most like dramatic moment you could have in someone's career. So it's obviously why they f- they finished on it. But I think it's always funny. They kind of overlook this whole team of like Ronaldo, Rooney, Tevez, you know, league titles, Champions League to kind of finish on that moment. But um, yeah, it's a really good documentary. I would... I would recommend kind of you know if you have any interest in in United or football it's definitely definitely worth a watch so it was uh, never give in which is a shit title but <laughs> <laughs> and they've left it open for a sequel oh yes <laughs> very good I will check that out uh only one movie for me but it's a big um it's called Saint Maud Ah, I've heard many great things about this. And I believe it was Mark Kermode's film of the year last year. Um, now, 
I went in pretty blind to Saint Maud. Um, I don't think I ever saw a trailer for it. I did hear Kermode talk about it, like I said, on his um, podcast when he talked about the films of the year, but I, I don't remember what he said about the film specifically, plot, plot-wise. Um, and I won't say too much about it, like Mayor of Easttown. I won't say too much about it here because I would give it a very, very strong recommendation. Uh, and I recommend people go into it blind. Um, right. It's, um, it's I, I guess, kind of a, a, a horror, but more on the psychological um, side. Um, it's directed by a uh, Rose Glass, who is a British lady. She does not even have a Wikipedia page. This is her feature uh, oh, debut, nice. her directorial debut. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, tells a story of a a sick slash dying woman who is being taken care of by like a, an in house carer, and uh, that's all I'll say about the plot. I don't I won't say anything more from there. But um, there's some really striking images in it. Um. To put, to put people at ease and, and to, to you know give access to this film to as many people as possible because it really deserves it. It's not a uh, a gory film. It's not a, a bang bang jump film. Right. It's not a spooky ghost film. It's it's another type of horror completely. Um, the the you know is along the lines of. You know, your imagination is is the scariest thing when you're watching a film. You know, there's a little bit of that to it at play as you try and work out uh, the machinations of what are happening. Very, very, very good. Very much enjoyed it. Great, um, great directing, great performances. Um, definitely has a very British feel to it. Uh, a lot of British actors involved as well as a director. Um, it's only 88 minutes, I want to say. Oh, and it's up on Amazon Prime. Shout out to uh, listener Shane. His tweet is what alerted me to that. Oh, Amazon Prime, very nice. It's I'm on actually, Prime. Yeah, I was hoping yeah. it would end up on a on a service. That's good. Yeah, I think it just launched on Prime last week. So here's your Excellent. here's your go watch it alarm. Uh yeah, I I thought it was very very good. Didn't necessarily think it was you know ten out of ten mind blowing. Which is one of my least favorite uh, points that people make on reviews, uh, specifically kind of funny, where they're like, it wasn't the fucking best thing I ever saw. As if that's some kind of quantifier for how good or bad mm-hmm. a thing is. But um, I would say comfortably in the in the high seven, low eight, medium eight kind of range. I think I went eight out of ten. I think, it's, I, think I would comfortably say it was about an eight out of ten. Um... And let me just make a point as well. You know how much of a cliche I am for I was really enjoying this movie until the last 10 minutes. Yeah. I was really enjoying this movie. And then the last 10 minutes were better than the rest of the movie. Oh, now he's really, he's really selling it. He's really selling it. <laughs> the last 10 minutes are really good. <laughs> so thank you. That's what film should be. Um, 84 minutes. I misspoke. I just have it up on Wikipedia here. Uh, yeah, very, 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 very good. Very good. 
Um, I'll also give Barry a little note on Alien Resurrection that he's about to watch. Go on. Uh, a good point and a bad point. Alien Re- Resurrection, directed by Jean-Pierre Jeunet, who directed... This is such a weird one for him to have done Alien Resurrection. He directed Amelie. Um, oh! He directed Delicatessen, and also a very good film called Mick Max, which I'd also mm. recommend people check out. So uh, you're saying it's going to be very good? Yeah, uh, written by Joss Whedon, though. Oh... Uh, that's what, what a weird what a weird and like on paper really good collection of directors that this franchise has had Ridley Scott, James Cameron David Fincher, Jean-Pierre Jeunet and then Ridley Scott again <laughs> yeah. are you going to check out by the way uh, AVP or no? Uh, have to, prob- I guess if you're doing, I suppose you know. yeah I mean I've already seen the I've seen the first one like six times because it was just oh, like constant dreadful constantly I never checked on, out like, Requiem it's constantly on like E4 back in the yeah. day that was their go to we've got nothing on so we're sticking this oh terrible movie uh, I never saw Requiem because it looked even worse yeah apparently, apparently it was even worse was um, I suppose I probably will if I'm going to go watch um all the the recent stuff in Prometheus, all that. I might as well watch Requiem and rewatch AVP. That's they're all on streaming anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the positive will be when you watch AVP and watch Requiem, and then watch Prometheus. Prometheus will just seem great. It'll it'll seem <laughs> decent. Yeah, they just they just added. I like Prometheus. Prometheus. I really like Prometheus for what it's worth. They just added Prometheus to Disney actually, yeah. so that's right right there. Right Damon Lindelof it. again, written. But as I said Back. last, as I said last week, his his movie writing is hit and miss. Anyway. We will uh, jump on to the uh, the game Video games. stuff now. And uh, let me tell you something, lads. We've got a bit of a rare uh, thing here for Game Guff. I've got some early access takes about an unfinished mm. video game. I saw your video. I watched a bit of it earlier. Mm. That I played on the cellular phone. Yes. Um, I played the AEW General Manager, Elite General Manager game, I believe it is called, which was in a... Uh, I guess public beta. They were putting out a. They put out a thing like, "Yeah, hey, give us your email. Maybe we'll send you a link." So like, not not fully anyone could go in, but it seemed like they were just pulling names out of a hat. Anyway, uh, got access to it, streamed a little bit of it. It is not really in the ballpark of your EWRs or your TEWs, despite what it may look like on the surface. It is a dumbed-down version of that concept that is closer to what you might picture in your head when you say a, a phone-based management game uh, from a licensed company. Right. Um, it's decently deep. You know, you have to get uh, viewers and money by putting on entertaining shows, but uh, you, make, you make shows more entertaining by putting on stips and using your top stars, but if you use them too much and you keep putting them in stips, they get uh, hurt. So you have to balance all of that stuff, and so you're mm. you're basically balancing meters. It's right. not it's not um, it's not planning out entire shows segment by segment. Tew, I want this match to be eleven minutes and get opponent A over, and the, you know it's not, it's not all of that. It is very much just kind of pick names, put them in a match, make sure you don't go over budget. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't even look like there's any. You don't pick who wins the matches. Like that's how kind of shallow. Uh, that's the kind of shallowness you're dealing with on it. Uh, you don't pick who's a face, who's a heel. 
it doesn't look like there's any kind of feud tracker. So it's not like, oh, I've had these guys have a couple of matches and then it's time for a pay-per-view. It's none of that. It is basically just a very basic uh, uh, matchmaker and, and watch the numbers go up. It is, it's uh, it's going to be uh, a bit of a time killer, I would say, for wrestling fans on a bus journey. It is not going mm-hmm. to... Uh, it's not going to be elbowing uh, total extreme warfare out of the uh, out of the game. I'll say that much. They should have got the um, the football manager people involved. Imagine that level of detail. Well, yeah, I think I think they were very intentionally not doing that. Yeah, it um, sounds like the opposite. Yeah, which is which is weird because it's kind of fine if that's if if you're going to go for something different, but I don't really know what they what what they're, what they're going for other than look here's an AEW product you can buy, uh, and it might kill a bit of your time, and maybe a couple of people will get hooked and spend money on it, which is which is usually the way these things go. Well, this is the issue, right? Is that from their what do they call them AEW the Show two point videos yeah that they they come off as very video game focused and like they know their video games and they're behind them all the way and da, da, da. and then we got this like casino game copy and paste with an aw name on it and a sub power management sim yeah it doesn't get me hyped up for their console game you know yeah yeah and it's just like yeah even as i was kind of just describing it here it's like okay like without having a feud tracker or anything like that it's like I, I, the more I kind of realize it when I was putting those matches together, it's like, oh well, there's actually, there's no thread between any of them. You you are just pulling names out of a hat, really. Right. Um, and it's kind of like, okay, well, if they're if they are popular, if they have a high popularity rating, the match will do well. If they don't, it won't. You know. Um, yeah, it's still it's unfinished, and they they have said as well that it's kind of like it's not even feature complete. They want feedback on it. They want to add stuff to it. That's fair. But but yeah. it is supposed to be out this summer, and I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't think. The basic framework they have there is very compelling, okay. um, but yeah. Anyway, that's a that's a little uh, early access uh, game enough. go for you. Uh, yeah. That's about it for me this week. Nothing, nothing, nothing else um, uh, other than Knockout City, which I've been I've been playing a lot. But I uh, talked about that already. Yeah. What about you? What are you playing? Uh, well, I'm coming to the end of Final Fantasy VII remake. After all this time, um, just just in time for that next bit, whenever that's out. Well, I don't have the console to play that on, unfortunately. That's PS5, isn't it? Only? No, no. They're putting out a PS5 version, but the next that that chapter, that extra chapter, they're putting that is in that's on the PS4. I think that's for PS4. Okay, well, I, I, I believe then, so. Then I'll play. My understanding was the opposite, but uh, yeah, I'm on chapter fifteen of eighteen. Okay, I've just started, so I've. Or am I on sixteen? No, I'm on sixteen of eighteen. I'm even further than I thought I was. Um, so I think I've probably I've about six hours left to go. I'm about twenty five hours in at this stage. So I think it'll probably take me in the range of thirty, thirty one. Um, but yeah, very much enjoying it. Um, as I said last time, I bumped the difficulty down to uh, too easy because I found it a, a little bit of a slog. But um, yeah, I'm reaching the stage now where. Because the difficulty is bumped down, I'm progressing through the story a bit more. Everything is fresher in my mind, so I can appreciate the story a bit more. Um, side quests are a little bit easier to take off as well. Um, so yeah, very much enjoying that. But I do have a little, uh, a little framework for what I'm going to do after I beat um, Final Fantasy. I have, my, I have my next games lined up already. Because there are four games... 
that I'm currently playing for all intents and purposes. Four games that I've started that I've not yet finished playing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to beat those four before I start a brand new game. So I have to be Final Fantasy, which I have another maybe six hours. I have to be Time Splitters 2, which I started recently. Yeah. But uh, that should only take me another... I'm halfway through. That should only take me another two hours, maybe. I could beat, I'd probably beat the rest of that game in one sitting. Uh, Pokemon Snap, obviously, on the on the Switch. I don't know how much of that is left, to be honest. And um, what's the other one? Triforce Heroes on the 3DS, but that's kind of one that I can kind of not finish and not really care about. So really only those three. And then once those three are done, I'm on to Death Stranding on the PS4. Oh. So I know it's very divisive, but uh, I've been I've been yeah. talked into it, so I'll give it a go anyway. I'm curious what you're going to make of it. I I haven't touched it, but yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Final Fantasy, like I say, um, more appreciation for it lately than than I initially had. The characters are all very likable. I really love the the setting, the Midgar um, city that it takes place in. Very very Studio Ghibli esque, and I enjoy being in that world. Um, and yeah, the story goes in very interesting ways i like seeing you know now that i'm at this stage of game i like looking back and seeing oh the twists and turns that kind of led me here what's funny though is i was reading uh the wikipedia entry for final fantasy 7 the original playstation game to see kind of how much of that story is contain actually contained in the the remake that they made which of course the remake is not the entire game it's only the the first act uh, so the entire 25 hours that I've played, uh, they're the first two sentences of the, of the Wikipedia article for Final Fantasy Zone. Um, so not a lot. So they've obviously stretched it out a lot, but I never played the original, so I don't have that point of comparison. But yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And also, next week is E3, the long-awaited return. Um, So I just wanted to see if any of us had any... Anything we were looking forward to or hoping to see at E3? Um, I'll just say, from from my own point of view, uh, since I've already decided that my next console is going to be the Xbox Series X and not the PS5, I'm very interested in the Microsoft Bethesda yeah. uh, presentation. I'm a big Bethesda guy anyway, even though, look, we know their games are shite. It, like objectively, right? In terms of the, the technical aspects, they're very buggy. Uh, they crash quite often. But I've I've enjoyed very much Skyrim, Fallout Four, Fallout Three. Uh, what's the fourth one called? Oblivion. Oblivion. Yeah. Loved all of those games. So I'm I'll be happy for any Elder Scrolls news, any Starfield news, anything along those lines. I'm totally totally in for. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm you know. As a PlayStation owner for the last decade, I've, I've always kind of watched the Microsoft presentations with kind of more an eye on the multi-plat stuff. Um, but now that I'm going to get an Xbox Series X, I'm very interested in what they can offer. You know, uh, I've really liked the purchases they've made recently, like Bethesda, obviously Obsidian. I love Obsidian's games as well. And they made the South Park games. Obviously, they made uh, Outer Worlds. They made uh, Fallout New Vegas very into their games as well so i'm very interested to see what is going to come from that and then obviously nintendo on tuesday joe that's where you're coming in the, there we the, go the switch announcements will we have some kind of um 
Mario announcement. Uh, Breath of the Wild 2, I fucking better see. Better be seen some Breath of the Wild 2 shit, Nintendo. Um, Ubisoft, I think, is on the Saturday. And then Microsoft well, Paul, Sunday, uh, Paul, you can you can you can tune into Twitch.tv slash Barryled on Saturday evening. Oh, are you doing a live a live yeah. ski area? I, I will be I'll be uh, watching Ubisoft uh, sort of cringe the way through their uh, <laughs> uh, their, their, their 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 just dance announcements. And it's their, another uh, game where you go to the top of a tower <laughs> and then that unloads the map for you, and then you shoot people. They already did a big Far Cry thing last week, so I have to imagine it's not Far Cry. So they must have something good. No, opposite. I think there'll be more Far Cry. Oh, there actually probably will. Actually, that would not yeah. be unheard of for them to do. In, in a, I think Far Cry will kind of be the centerpiece in a, in a sense. Um, oh, just give me a new Splinter Cell. That's all I want. Oh, uh, they'll so, never give you. They'll never give you. They'll never will. They never will. Do Why think, companies uh, do that? They do the opposite of what people want most of the time. <laughs> do you think going back to Nintendo? I mean, yeah. it seems it seems like we're now right on the cusp of it. Do you think they will do their grand reveal of the sec of the new Switch? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably about time. It's it, there's been so many leaks at this stage that it basically feels like it's yeah, they will, they will. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I say this now, and I'll probably end up getting it, but like, I, and I'm kind of content that it's not going to be this thing where there's going to be a harsh cut off. It's like, okay, you have to get this to play new Switch games, but it just it doesn't seem like I'm not I'm not too fussed about what it based on the leaks what it looks to be. Um, Fancier screen, better battery, uh, you know, various technical doodads, but it's not it's not a new new switch. Do you know what I mean? No, I'm not. I'm not even particularly fussed about better screen, better battery. No, me neither. Because what what matters is the performance. Yeah, like I've had games on Switch that have had like um, frame rate issues, and you know, this even like um, Link's Awakening, which is a fairly simple in terms of its graphics like it's not it's not a graphically intensive game had areas of like really bad slowdown when played in handheld mode hmm. um and there's like you know your hitman threes of the world and your um it was a resident evil like games that they do release on switch but they're like streamed the, 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 the console isn't powerful enough to play even dumbed down versions of those that's where the improvements need to be made. Don't worry about the, the screen's fine. <laughs> just yeah, more just make make a switch that when there is grass in Breath of the Wild, that it does not run at 10 frames a second. That's yeah. all we need I mean, to do. like, Hitman 3, insofar as it was, like, a, a, you know, a new release this year, it, it, like, graphically, there was no difference between that and Hitman 1, really. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a super graphically impressive game, nor was it a super big game, you know, on its own, without, having, you know, introducing the Hitman 1 and 2 levels into the game. So like, and even that couldn't run on a Switch properly. They had to do the streaming gimmick for it. The cloud yoke, yeah. The cloud yoke, which like never works properly for anybody. So, you know, hopefully the new Switch is at the very least of a level where it can natively play that kind of game. Which is crazy because, yeah. you know, you talk about it, like you look at Hitman 3 objectively and all the, all the stuff that's, you know, within that. And you look at a game like Breath of the Wild and Hitman's the one that doesn't run on the Switch. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, Breath of the Wild two, please, Nintendo. Yeah, but they they need to they need to oh, make up for that fucking Skyward Sword. Day. Oh. Fucking, we're not. Hello there. We want you to know we're working very hard on the game you're really interested in, but it's not here today. Anyway, 
here's this shit game no one likes coming back. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the sentiment I had when I was watching that last one. <laughs> um, we know yeah. the game you're specifically watching this for. Uh, we know what game that is, but we don't have that for you. Here's a game you hate. One one uh, one thing I saw speculated about, and I'm quite interested by this. It has been like seven years since a proper new Mario Kart. I mean, the one on the Switch is is the, the Wii U one. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, I don't see there being a new 3D Mario game, but I can see there being a new Mario Kart. I don't think so. Um, I don't think so either. But I thought it was a fascinating uh, thing. Yeah. Reason uh, being, you look at the like top selling games of the year 2020. It, Mario Kart is still fucking on there. <laughs> yeah, they, they're still making money off it. They they won't make a new one until that one starts to. Well, any well, the Switch still sells Gangbusters, and anyone who gets a Switch has to have Mario. It's Kart. a Mario Kart. Um, it's, so, it's yeah, crazy sales. But, like there's uh, there's no there's no need to bring out a new one while the old one is still selling. So yeah, I, I assume there'll it. also be a, a, a you know, an Xbox will have this as well. The uh, the indie sizzle reel, which is usually fun. Yeah. Because uh, the switch is just like this tremendous. In the yeah. can we game get some out... Stanley Parable news, please? Jesus Christ! Uh, just this week, actually, I haven't got to it yet, but I I know loads of people who raved about it last year. Um, oh, what's it called? Uh, Umarangi Generation, which is a, a photography game. Okay. Think of it, non Pokemon Snap. <laughs> I think I heard about it. Yeah, it's sort of like a you know dystopian kind of cyberpunky future, but you're a you're a photographer. Uh, with a, with a really kooky art style, you know, Switch is a great little indie machine. I have, I still have Oberdin on my Switch, unstarted. Mm, um, I, I gotta get that. to that. I play that on Switch. That is a good game. Uh, I gotta but get to that. Super so, yeah. tough. Super tough. Uh, on the back on the Microsoft one, I think more so than the Bethesda developer side. I mean, they also own a bunch of IP. They also publish. So I, I, I feel yeah, like it's been longer. Will be on there. Deathloop, yeah, because actually, oh, that just got pushed back, yeah. So they're probably yeah. going to want to do a big showing of here's here's the game. We we'll promised. see gameplay, yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably been long enough now that they they should be they should be showing off w- Wolfenstein three. I think after two was like, yeah, Wolfenstein two was like three four years ago at this stage. It was recent enough that maybe uh, we won't see a new one yet because they, they brought out the, the the DLC only two years ago. The the young. Yeah, the young bloods, which I don't think anyone liked. No, yeah. but that was it was recent enough. Like, um, yeah, and uh, I think that's it. Then you know, EA, Ubisoft, all the <laughs> other people. I mean, they're just gonna they're gonna do what they're gonna do. I mean, yeah. I, I I don't know. EA, I feel like I have literally never enjoyed an EA um, presentation presentation with I mean, Greg Miller screaming on it. Oh, yeah, just and uh, like so long on sports. The sports people don't care. They're not watching fucking E three. No. Um, just you know, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. I'm looking forward yeah. to. It. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Halo Infinite uh, look like Halo Three again. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think. Oh, yeah, they have to because if that's going to come out this Christmas, they need they they need that to come out, and it needs to look like the greatest thing ever. Based after how it was received last time, yeah. it has to look like. Like, look, if the graphics are going to be what they're going to be, that's fine. But you need to show something that the game offers that's different to previous games yeah you know because yeah. when they when they showed that was it wasn't obviously not e3 but whatever microsoft event they showed that in last uh last year just like oh my god this game just looks <laughs> it looks like it came out five years ago yeah. whatever about it being like next gen or or current gen because it, obviously it's coming out on um the current xbox xbox one like um god it looked so old <laughs> it didn't look like a new game regardless of the system so hopefully that looks better this time 
Anyway, that's our video game talk. Anyway, that is our video games. Let's move on here to our emails. I've got an email here from Scott the Boy McAvoy about the, 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 the bitch that we talked about last week. Uh, I have to report oh, that Paul, Paul isn't the only one who didn't enjoy The Witch. A friend of mine <laughs> told me he not, he not only didn't like it, but he had to ask the person he went with if the ending was as bad as he thought. The reply from his girlfriend was, if by bad you mean we just watched a young... Well, I don't know if I want to read this. Spoiler. Uh, well, it's an old movie. Who okay? cares? It's five years old. Uh, a young girl fart herself to the moon, then yes. <laughs> uh, which got a good laugh from the room. Uh, I don't know. I know you enjoyed It Follows, but I couldn't get past the first 10 minutes of that film. Every what? kid in that movie was so I terrible really at acting. I liked It Follows. Uh, that I immediately wanted the monster to win by killing them all. Is there a scene in a movie that you've watched that gave that absolutely gave you the creeps? In Cabin Fever, the scene near the end where the girl is shaving her legs makes my skin crawl. Okay. Uh, a scene in a movie... Well, it's, the, it's, it's an obvious one, and it's one we've talked about a lot on this show, but I'd have to say the dinner scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um... Which there's a really tremendous recreation of, just side note, in Resident Evil 7. Um, right. Really excellent recreation of that scene in that game. Uh, that's the one that comes immediately to so mind. So, what did you say? A, a scene that gave you the chills? Uh, yeah, just a, just like a, a singular movie. scene in, that gave you the creeps, was the word, his word. Creeps, okay. Mm. I think a lot of scenes in It Follows, actually. I mean, the big, the big man's at the door. It's like, oh, there's a big scary man at the door. Oh. <laughs> That was bad. Yeah, it follows one of those movies that I really enjoyed and that I didn't like the end of. The ending was bad if it follows. It was it was bad. <laughs> they go to a pool for some reason. Yeah, and it's like, oh shit. The monster was like, oh I I'm embarrassed. How did I not think of this? <laughs> um No, otherwise I I you know, even though I liked it follows a lot, it wasn't a film that really like creeped me out. It was just like a, a, a exciting thrill ride. Um Jeez, what what a concept that is! By the way, one of the one of the all time great film concepts. Creep that like I thought the the again like like Barry's one a bit of a cliche, but like the the ending shot of Blair Witch, yeah, properly made me give me the heebie jeebies. Like, um, uh, what else? I I assume we're talking like specifically horror here. Well, um, I suppose if it, if it, if it's from something else, you creeps. know, if it, if it if it creeps you out, but it's from another film, I, I'm sure it's yeah. relevant. God, I don't know. Uh, anything from The Shining. The the old woman on the bed. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought... Um, God, it's gone out of my head now. Fuck, I had it a second ago, and then I started jingle all the way for some reason. <laughs> uh, one from when I was a kid. Uh, speaking of The Witch, The Witches. Uh, Roll dolls, the witches. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah. Where they're in the room, they will take their wigs off and they're yeah. like, oh, oh, it's feeling ill now. Thinking about it. Yeah, they have big noses and big long fingers. Yeah. Um. I right, sorry, and uh, Scott then does conclude his mail with a pick one. It's a good okay. one here. We got some heavy hitters: Denzel Washington, yeah, Brad Pitt, yeah. Or Leonardo DiCaprio. See, I I don't know that I I would put Leo with the other two. Yeah, I mean Leo is I mean Leo is kind of Triple H, isn't he? Like he's not bad, but he's mainly getting the big push. Yeah, do you know what I mean? If like, he wasn't, 
you know, he might be secretly married to to, to the Scorsese family. I mean, that has to be the, the the reason. Yeah, I mean, Leonardo. I think he is really good. Actually, he's very good. He, he is I think he's in some very good movies, but he he so wants to be known as being very good. That um, yeah, he has that Triple H insecurity, I guess, or maybe he doesn't, but he comes off to me like he does. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I shouldn't be speaking so absolutely about a man I don't know. Um, but yeah, for me, the other two are are above and. I'll probably go Denzel for the pure fact that even in bad movies, he's good. Yes, you know I'm talking about The Equalizer 2. But no, I think like even even in movies like like Fences that came out the other year, which is kind of, it's good. It's not like Equalizer 2, but it's it's a good movie, but it's not a great movie. (laughs) I want to um, I want to clip that and just out of context have you say fences. I mean, it's no equalizer two, but you know, <laughs> no, no, it's better than equalizer two, is what I mean. Yeah, I know. Um, but it's also kind of a a, a middle to good movie. He's right. excellent in it. You know, like I feel like Denzel is always going to give you your money's worth. Brad Pitt also to an extent, but not you don't get as much money's worth. You know, Denzel, you're getting your hundred euro. Uh, Brad Pitt getting the fifty, right? Yeah, I go. I think Denzel for me. I, I, I would think for that reason, I'd also have to go with Denzel. I think he's also for Equalizer too. Yeah. <laughs> the scene where he says, "Come on, kill him." Yeah, that one scene <laughs> makes it all worth it. <laughs> that is what he wanted. Should have won an Oscar for is Equalizer two. Oh, uh, that would have been so funny if he won it for Equalizer two. That would have been so funny. It was a great scene. <laughs> and... Oh man, Equalizer one is actually I think is great. I really, I really like. I, really I like, like them both. Them. I like them both. I, yeah. like them. I, I, I have a hot take that I, I said at the time, and I'll, I'll whisper it right there. I think Equalizer One is better than John Wick One. Ah, oh, that's don't so, at me, Barry. That has only gotten worse with time. I, I, I can't, especially as time goes on, and I'm kind of like mm, John Wick One is actually the best one. It's um, not. It's not uh, Equalizer One. The only, the only thing better is that obviously Denzel stomps all over Keanu. That's fair. I mean, that's obvious. But also, but it, oh, but that's what's so good about John Wick. It's just Keanu Reeves is like, oh, I guess I better kill him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, come on. John Wick anyway. is the best one, and any other take is wrong. Anyway, Joe, do you have an email? Get us off this. I've got an email, I've got an email, I've got an email. Oh, um, I have another one for uh, oh. b- bits of films that creeped you out. Uh, when Barry said The Ray 2 was good. Oh, I don't know. I only wanted to do a joke at Barry's expense, <laughs> even if it didn't make sense. Um, uh, yes, I have an email. From yeah, Scott go McAvoy. He says, "Good evening, Joe. Last show you mentioned your enjoyment of Krispy Kreme donuts, which reminded me of an appetizer that the girlfriend and I had that was described as a pork-filled Krispy Kreme donut hole." That was dipped in Korean barbecue sauce. Oh, that And it good. was delicious. Mm. I realize when I describe it that way, it might sound unappealing. No, it sounds great. No, it sounds amazing. I love it. <laughs> um, but we were both very happy with how it came out. What was the last appetizer you ordered or meal you made? The mix of ingredients didn't sound appealing, but it turned out to be very good. Um, I was thinking about this, Scott. I was thinking there's a Domino's pizza. Um, they have that's a uh, essentially like an all the meats ranch barbecue pizza. 
So it's a barbecue based sauce, but with ranch dressing like on the top of it. And when I first ordered that, I thought, oh God, that sounds disgusting. I'll try it. I get, I got like a half and half and I thought I'll try it, see if it's any good. And I get it every time now because it's just delicious. Somehow the mix of the barbecue sauce and the ranch sauce together on the pizza is like a bit of a sweet and sour. So you've got the kind of creamy, sour ranch sauce and the tangy, sweet barbecue sauce. And then, of course, all the, the meat on top is absolutely great. So, yeah, a lovely uh, barbecue ranch uh, Domino's pizza for me. Any any disgusting combinations that you lads enjoy that yeah. shouldn't be allowed? Oreo biscuit with a Terry Stock orange slice in it. Ooh, baby. Yeah. Uh, not really, not really for me. I'm, I'm a scared little plain boy, so I don't take risks. Oh, he's, yeah, okay. We're getting, you're getting a bit more bold with the uh, the cooking, Barry. Yeah, sure. yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to branch out more. I've started next having... time. Next time you fried chicken, get a little waffle. Oh, a little, uh, little sweet waffle. Pop I've started. I've, I've started enjoying honey on my pizza. Blimey, um, that is weird. Which is quite tasty. Yeah. Um, anyway, a bit posh. Um. Pick one from Scott. He is. This is the old Codger edition. So we've got three actors. We've got Robert Duvall, Robert De Niro, hmm. and Jack Nicholson. You're picking. He lists the three of us, and you're picking. <laughs> so Robert, I'm going to rule out Robert Duvall because I think he's a great actor, but I think a lot of his work's probably a bit before. I like Duvall. Yeah, he's, he's more 60s, early 70s, yeah. I think is his best stuff. He was in Network, Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Uh, if you go there, Network's if you good. He's in a movie called The Judge with Downey Jr. Mm, I've seen that. So he's good. So I think for me, De Niro or Jackson, and I would probably go De Niro because he's just one of my all-time favorites. And you get all the Scorsese movies. There's like 10 of them, and they're all yeah. pretty much really good. And then you get Heat as well. Oh, yeah. And you get uh, what else did he do? The Untouchables, uh, Jackie Brown. Uh, yeah, and he probably has—he probably has the case to be the best ever. Yeah, I don't know. he's done nothing for twenty-five years that you'd want to watch. But yeah, oh. you get Rocky and Bullwinkle. You get Dirty Grandpa, or whatever the fuck it was called. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Uh, meet all the fuckers and all that. All the movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, New, New Year's Eve, of course, he's in that. Um, um, Joker, which we reference, obviously, Joker, if you want yeah. to be reminded of the twisted world we live in. <laughs> um, makes you think. Makes you think yeah. Yeah. about about shooting Robert De Niro in the head. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, after I watched Dirty Grandpa, it was in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> one of the absolute worst films I've ever watched. Oh, oh dear! God. So I'm going with De Niro. Yeah, all right, De Niro. We go. We'll, we're going with Bob Bobby, here. Bobby, Bobby D. Uh, Paul. Yes. Okay. Email goes thusly. Uh, good evening, Paul. Last week you made the comment of oh God. Oh. Last week you made the comment about Barry needing a bare twig to cover himself up. <laughs> with those clown shoe size feet Barry has, are you sure about the size of the leaf he needs? No, well, let me just clear this up, right? My comment, I think we were talking, I said olive leaf instead of olive branch by mistake, right? Oh, yes, that was the hilarious bit we did. The hilarious pre scripted 
Ah, uh, it was only for script. We do, you know, we do the jokes for the fans. We wrote, we yeah. wrote it in advance. I said it. Great acting, by the way. Fucking <laughs> Denzel in Equalizer Two levels. <laughs> um, no, but actually, what I was, what I meant was, I said I it in because I was so embarrassed about my flub. I tried to cover it up by doing attacking <laughs> Barry for some reason. I said, "Well, you're olive branches, knock a lot of leaves. I know what's going on over there. Or some nonsense like that." What I was trying to say was that Barry have a little prepubescent boy, Willie, and I got a big <laughs> man, Willie. That's what I was trying to say. Didn't really come out, uh, come off very well. Um, he continues with live events coming back in the states soon, and eventually coming to your side of the pond. What is the first event with a crowd that you are interested in going to? Well, I'm not really a concerts man. Like I, I do. Like going to concerts, but only if I can sit down. The, yeah, day, yeah. the days of standing at concerts for me are over. Yeah. With, with my 32 year old knees that I have. Um, still on the fence as far as the, the old wrestling goes. Um, funny story, right? Me and my brother were talking. When was it? I want to say it was maybe Friday. We were, we were just like on one of these long walks that I do. We're going to the shop. And I was talking to him about, we're talking about OTT and the possibility of OTT coming back and what it's going to be like um, and how they should kind of approach a return, theoretically. And I offhandedly mentioned that um, that some of the wrestlers had retired. I said, like, Liam Royal. And I said, oh, I think I, I, I saw that Nathan Martin had deleted his Twitter a while ago. Um, but I hadn't seen that like, confirmed anywhere. And then later that day, it was confirmed that he's not coming back. Yeah. Which was the, we- the weirdest of timings. The- yeah, yeah. So, um, look, the- it's so up in the air, the whole wrestling situation, even with COVID and everything that went on. Like, look, we'll see when it comes back, what their approach is, what their, you know, what they do in terms of retaining the fan base and all that. So, look, we'll- I don't know. We'll see what that situation shakes out like. Um, probably the first, you know, don't even consider it an event, but like going back to the cinema for me will be the first big kind of stepping mm-hmm. out to uh, two big areas full of people. That'd be kind of the first one. Concerts, I could kind of leave or take. My NXT takeover uh, ticket got, <laughs> got refunded, obviously, so it won't be that. Um, I, I tweeted like, I have no idea where that ticket is. It's so long ago I bought it. And we we bought that on a whim, like, oh, maybe it'll be fun to go see that. Anyway, uh, we have a 20 questions wrestler Ooh. provided. Uh, and I know we're running long, but I think we can squeeze this one in. That's, okay. That's okay, maybe Barry. that's maybe a bit team. of a clue, but... The dream team. Come on, we'll nail this. Yeah. All right. All right. So... Let's get cracking. 20 questions. Is it an active wrestler? It is. Um, are they contracted to WWE? Yes. Okay. Uh, is it a man? It is a man. Okay. Um, has this man uh, ever held one of the WWE World titles? Yes. Ooh. Okay. Is this a white man? 
No. Ooh, off-white. Not um, a white man. Not a white man. So, okay, that narrows it down a fair bit. So, could continue with race. Are they African-American? No. Okay. Uh, are they part Samoan? No. <laughs> I'm not saying who I was going for there. Uh, are they of Mexican heritage? Yes. Okay, well, I'm thinking Ray Ray. Yeah, or or, or, po- or possibly Dominique. No, world champion. World champion. Oh, so he's be Joseph, he's a world tag team champion. No, but really. <laughs> okay. Uh, is this person a masked wrestler? Yes. Um, is this person under five foot four? They're, yeah, thereabouts. In re- realistically, not fake. Right? Not, not their shoe type. Okay. okay. Uh, I'll just go over it, yeah. Is this person Rey Mysterio Jr.? After 11 questions only, that is the correct answer. Oh, and that was quick as well. Boom, that was quick. boom, boom, boom. Was like two minutes it took you to get. And look, I didn't even open up the Wikipedia page. Because <laughs> I, I was so confident in that you guys would get it. Anyway, thank you, Scott. Very good, very good. Yeah. You had uh, seven... Of your 10 questions before the correct guess were answered with yes. So mm. 70% of the time you were on exactly the right path. So very good. Right, that's how it goes. Speaking of wrestlers, let's get on it. Let's get on to it. Let's, uh, let's very quickly touch on the pay-per-view because it's, it's old news now, boys. It's old hat. Yeah. Uh, what what did we make of the pay-per-view? You, you stayed up to watch it live, Paul, I believe. Correct. Um, I watched it the next day and I was still feckin' tired when it was over. Ooh, baby. <laughs> fucking long. Very long. Uh, I stayed up to watch the first half, actually. Right. Um, I wasn't planning to, but then watching the pre-show... Um, it, the, that pre-show match was so good. So really, oh, yeah. It was, was fantastic. That match was so good. And I'm also a sucker for the kind of outdoor sunset show. Just yeah. f- always feels special, like a, a WrestleMania or SummerSlam. It's just, oh, it's fantastic. So I got yeah. sucked in. I said, all right, I'll watch the first bit of it. And then <laughs> the next match was so fucking good as well. And then the tag match was so good. I kept watching until... Uh, Cody Rhodes beat Mr. Anthony and Gogo, at which point I went to bed. Right. Uh, and then watched the rest the next day. But uh, yeah, that first half of the show was was really, really good. I thought the first three, four matches. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the second half, eh, it was all right. It was all right. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think that both halves were relatively similar quality wise. Well, uh, let's, here's let's talk about the, the 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 real juice on this show. Okay. Okay. Well, after first watching it, I I was a little bit mixed, a little bit lukewarm. Mm-hmm. On reflection, I thought Stadium Stampede Two was shite. Uh, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't say shite, but it was sort of nothing. <laughs> I thought they said they weren't going to do a bunch of shitty comedy in it. Yeah, but what else do you do in this match? Just it's, hit each whole... other with shiz, just or, or uh, don't do the match. Well, good. Yeah, that's well, they could have done. They, they could have done blood and guts with their big audience. Yeah, it's funny that this that that was not the blow off 
<laughs> Hell in a Cell, uh, sorry, Blood and Guts was not the blow off that uh, Stadium Stampede was, or isn't it? Because it seems like the food is continuing anyway. But uh, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't as good as the last one by any stretch of the imagination. No, I'm I'm <laughs> really shocked. Oh, why? I thought I was the only one. Oh the, wow! Because the the feedback online has been pretty positive about it. I thought it was so boring. It just went yeah. ever. Nothing in it was fun or interesting. It just went on and on and on and on. And then the last like 10 minutes of it was a Sammy Guevara, Sean Spears match. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what was that? And like with the Sean Spears section started with him having a little spotlight backstage oh. in the chair room. Terrible. Awful. And I, uh, I, I really, really liked the first one. All this was missing with, was Brother Love coming out of a toilet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was this was closer. To, it wasn't nearly as bad, but it was closer to Money in the Bank than Stadium Stampede One. Yeah. I thought, um, and even like I said about wanting it to be more serious. Like I thought the first one was genuinely funny. My problem with this was, first of all, they were saying it wasn't going to be comedy, and then it was. But also, I just didn't think it was funny. I just thought oh, a lot of the jokes just missed completely. You didn't get mm-hmm. Jer- you didn't get anything like Jericho knocking out the the mascot. You didn't get anything like that. Hangman drinking the milk. Hangman on the horse. That was all great. None of that here. Uh, we did get Conan, though. Um, <laughs> Why does it keep bringing him in for these little, uh, like... I don't know. I thought it was cute. That was, that was funny. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, so... Oh, I hated it when I was watching it. Um, I, and I didn't want to, like, tweet about it or anything. Didn't want to put that negativity out there. And then I woke up in the morning and saw everyone was, like, not loving it or anything, but everyone talking about the paper was very positive about it. And I saw um, Mo Chatra, who used to write for Power Slam magazine, a man whose opinion I very much respect, giving it four and three quarter stars. I was like, what, what? fucking match what? were you boring? What were you watching? That was the the most two-star match I've ever seen in my life. Um, do you know what the best spot of Stadium Stampede was? The double pile driver they did on Dynamite last week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was that was cooler than ending in the actual match by multitude of a million by a magnitude I should say not a multitude. Um, God, it, it was so bored. Like, I was so I was so bored by it. I couldn't believe how boring it was. Um, especially following up great matches: uh, Adam Page, Brian Cage, Young Bucks, Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Omega, Cassidy, and Pack turned out to be great in the end. Um. Miro Lance Archer didn't quite deliver to the uh, extent I was hoping, but I thought it was pretty good. Britt Baker got the big win, big pop. Sting looked fine in his... Yeah, the Sting match was a lot of fun. Oh, when he jumped off the... uh, the (laughs) Oh, that was good. He ripped his shirt off. Ah, I'm not wrestling in a t-shirt, bro. Uh, That was great. Ah. That was great. Good for him. Bless him. God bless him. I tell you what, though, and this continued on Dynamite, I, I, I... I'm getting a bit fed up of all the finishes, all the run-ins. Mm, 100%. That was a lot. Was um, a lot. And especially because it's like, like I think the, I think Kenny is doing too much, but if people want to make the argument that, oh, well, look, that's just his thing. I'm, okay, fine. If that's his thing, then you can fucking, you can cut Rebel running into the women's match. Yeah. You can cut that. You can cut the Jake thing from the TNT match. Get all that shit out of there. Come on. If it's going to be Kenny's thing, 
then why is literally everyone else doing it on the show, including like uh, Cody and a go go like like literally everyone has to get even if they're not physically doing a move in the match. Every match has to involve someone from a faction getting up on the apron or coming out or looking at the ref or distracting someone. Yeah. And it's just, it's way, way too, too much. Way, 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 way too much. And I, and the other one that I thought, you know, made a little bit of sense was that they, uh, they furthered the team Taz thing by having them come out when Cage said yeah. not to. I'm like, again, okay, that's fine. So tell everyone else in the back, go on your little whiteboard and write down that th- these two matches, it's going to be integral that they have interference. So the rest of you need to figure something else out. Um, and there was more of it again on Dynamite. It was just like, oh my god! Like the women's one in particular. It's like it's every the entire world knows it's Brit's time. Sheeta loses nothing if she just fucking loses. If she just loses the match, it's not like she's going to be out of a career if she takes a clean loss. You know? Yeah, I agree. It's a big, it's a big problem with both. Um, in addition to that, you're talking about on um, AW General Manager, whatever fuck it's called. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How do you make matches more exciting? Stips! Stips galore! Yeah. We have Stadium Stampede here, then a bull rope match, and then we have an MMA match coming. Oh, that they is announced enough. Stadium. Right, who's in the MMA match? Hager, Hager and, Wardlow. and Wardlow. Oh, no! Oh, fuck. An Tony. MMA cage fight, he said. Yeah. Oh, like, Tony. what? what is that going to be? I mean, I can't imagine that's going to be anything other than complete shit. I mean, <laughs> oh, they need to come. Okay, here's three things that AEW needs to fucking grab the brakes and just calm down on. Interference finishes. Segments where, you know, Jericho or someone does a inner circle at the races segment or something some stupid ass these concept segments that they do that aren't just like a weigh-in or something simple like that it's brick baker with big max and then nia Jax knocks the, not nia Jax, um nyla rose knocks the <laughs> knocks the big max out of her hand ah oh, that's the feud these dumbass segments so stupid and then as we said the uh the stupid stipulation matches with no build. Oh, but there was build. He hit him with the thing on the pay-per-view. That's the build. The build yeah. is that big muscle man, Nick Camarato, whatever his name is, hits Dustin Rhodes with a bull rope for some reason in the Battle Royal. And then they have a bull rope match. Yeah, I'm sick of AEW's Battle Royals as well. They're always bad. Let's move on. Let's move Especially on. when they're full of geeks and it's for a world title shot. It's like... <laughs> what is the point? Oh, yeah, points to us, by the way. Right? We mentioned Leo Rush as a potential entrant last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he came in and did some uh, very awkward <laughs> spots with the private party lens. Who, let me tell you, talk about some bloom coming off the rose. Private party. Um, again, there's a lot of this show where I'm like, what is this like 2009 Impact or something? What are these outfits they've got these lads wearing? I realize, mm. I realize Mark Quinn's gear before was not exactly great, but these these fucking I was watching it with Brona and she goes, they look like they're they're waitering at a club. <laughs> the wrestling accountants. Oh, <laughs> terrible. And and like Matt Hardy and I feel like they're setting up a Matt Hardy Christian, Christian. thing. Oh, I'm nice. like, oh come on. Like it's just like and I love Christian and I'm so glad he's back and he has delivered. I think he's been great. Matt Hardy's terrible. Matt Hardy's banjacks to fuck. He can't do anything. Like let's let's call it a day. Okay, he's he's fine as a manager. 
But um, yeah, I actually, you know what? I actually haven't watched the bull rope match because I was just like, I was like, this is shit. I can't even it finish was, this episode. It of was okay. Um, the problem was right. This this guy Nick Camarato, um, he's green. obviously quite green, right? Uh, which which is something in a normal match, but when you have a rope connecting you to your opponent that you can like trip over and shit. Yeah, it makes it even harder to have a match. So that was a bad idea, I think, more than anything. Um, so yeah, that was the pay per view, I guess. We we didn't give much time to the Cody Rhodes Anthony Agogo thing, but uh, Cody had his old music back, which is good. Which is good, yeah. Um, and actually, I think I think it's a it's a different theme again. I think they've As added like, like really yeah. yeah really triumphant swelling, which I mean that fits him. I tell you what annoyed me though, right? Rather than lamenting that the go go loss, because like ah eh, well there was there was always a chance that was going to happen. He's brand new, you know, yeah. so whatever. What pissed me off more than that, and I was genuinely getting annoyed watching Dynamite. I was like, you beat QT, fair enough. It's QT who cares? QT should be losing. You beat a go go, mm, okay, fine, whatever. And then like a go go gets his heat back on Dynamite, and it's like oh. Oh, that's so that's so raw do you know what i mean it's so yeah. now we're gonna have to watch they're gonna have a, i'm sure a fucking cage match or some shit where it's a go-go and you know like uh, you know cody wins defiantly to put him in the rearview mirror but it's like but he already did beat him defiantly to put him in the rearview mirror he just came back on tv and, and got a poxy win it's just oh yeah it's not been a great week for for, for AEW. No, this dynamite was not great after the after the opening match. Everything after the opening match was not great. Yeah, Young Bucks, Pack, and and Penta, who is now the Joker. Um, which oh, I yeah. well, I don't particularly like. I don't not that the Joker is is overplayed or which it absolutely is, by the way. But I just like Penta with the um the skull makeup, and when he has the the Joker thing, he just looks a bit more human, and I I kind of. Don't like that aspect of his character. I like that he's a weird skeleton man. Well, I, 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 ho- I don't think at the very least. I hope it's just a. I think it's just cool gear. I don't think he. I hopefully he's not going to be. Oh, the I don't, yeah, absolutely. He's just cool gear. Um, you don't want him talking about how there's like zero justice in society <laughs> in El Mundo. <laughs> yeah, in El Mundo. Uh, what about Penta that- says that all it takes is one day to make a guy go crazy, and you are about to have one of those days. Uh, uh, fucking Aaron Solo. <laughs> they pulled off Penta's mask, and he had another little mask on underneath it. Yeah, yeah. That's clever. That's clever little touch. Knowing that it they looked had... cool. I like. I liked the skinny mask. That was yeah. That but was they cool. pointed out what they had done to Phoenix, so that made sense even storyline wise. That was quite clever. Yeah, and I, I liked it. They're like, oh, they filmed it. We're not going to dignify showing it. Apparently, he he's legitimately hurt, but I guess they couldn't even film something with him because he was hurt. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that's dynamite. They've, uh, this is well, one of the no, worst ones they've no, ever wait, had. Wait, wait, wait. It's not dynamite. They, they, oh. they, they thought to themselves, right? How can we take probably <laughs> the most exciting segment and make it as bad as possible? What can we do? So rather than have right, here's what little Paul would have done. Main event segment. I'm not going to spend too much time fancy booking because I know it's annoying. But the main event segment, yeah, some big star in the ring, whoever, fucking Jericho, Omega, who cares? Cody, doesn't matter. Uh, talking about their match, you, da, 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 lights go out. Who's it? Oh, fucking Andrade! He comes out. He doesn't even have to speak. He just gives the little look at him, da, 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 has his sunglasses on. Oh my God, show goes off the air. How fucking excited is that? 
So Tony Schiavone brings out Mark Henry. And Mark Henry says, I ain't here to fix AEW. AEW's not broken. I'm here to I'm like, oh, screws. Mark Greeley? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good for him to, to, to show up on his, like, basically his debut and go, here, this show is not shit. Don't worry. I'm just Tony, <laughs> Tony Schiavone is like, no, Mark, let me get you. Is there an economic crisis in AW? Well, that really depends on what you mean by crisis. <laughs> he, he plugs his little radio show. Oh, God. I, you would have to put a gun to my head to let me listen to that shit. And then Vicky Guerrero is coming out screeching. You don't even understand what she's saying. And then Andrade just walks out with no music. The crowd realizes that who it is and start going crazy. And she's such a, like, she garbled her words so they didn't even realize that that's who she was introducing. I know! And that and that's why it was like, he got a big pop once people sort of twigged who it was. Once they oh, saw him. How is this the same company that, like, had Moxley come through the crowd? Oh, and, I don't know. This was that, so throwaway. And that was so cool, but, like, they, did, they had Big Show just sort of wander out, they had Christian just sort of wander out, they had Miro come out in his fucking pajamas. Um... They've they've got they've had like five in a row of these debuts being absolute shit. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, they've 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 recovered people from worse. Miro's doing great stuff now, but uh, bad, bad. <laughs> yeah, and he came out and cut kind of a half-hearted promo, and then they just walked off. God, awful. Then you had a, a dreadful inner circle segment, a dreadful women's segment. Uh, Britt Baker, yeah. The main event was a load of, wasn't shite, but it was just like, God, a dark main event. Yeah. Um, nothing else. Nothing else on this show of worth. Yeah. So we um, will leave Dynamite there, but yeah, quite poor. I haven't seen Dark Side of the Ring yet. Um, Ooh, it's a bad one. Yeah, it seems, it seems like it. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. Ah, it was it was very interesting. It was very very interesting stuff. Yeah, I'll it's try and get a, that. It's, it's the Grizzly Smith, Jake Roberts family stuff, obviously. So of course that's uh, quite bad, but yeah, um, definitely worth a watch. I've heard it's a tough watch, but a, a, a good episode nonetheless. So yeah, uh, not as tough as uh, Tommy End playing his music and talking about <laughs> God. how how Vince loved them and all his ideas. Oh God! How, oh God! <laughs> Oh god, we didn't even talk about the releases. Oh, we didn't talk about any of the releases, did we? Oh, Strowman. Yeah. I, t- I tell you, I was out for a walk and I came back and I saw Strowman's release. My fucking eyes nearly came out of my head. Yeah, yeah, I was like, "What? He must have done. He must have shot the president to get released <laughs> <laughs> on camera." <laughs> oh dear. Um. Yeah, that's bizarre. Um. Apparently, you know, well, not, not apparently. He he was on a big fat check. Yeah, and they were like, eh, "Well, what are we getting out of you?" Which, to be fair, is a fair assessment. I mean, well, had... it it is, and it isn't when you have Undertaker on a fucking contract. Yeah, but they want to be. They want to be. This is another story from the week. They want to be Marvel, and their their uh, outside of wrestling branding opportunities are going to revolve around doing things like you know Undertaker fucking. Cartoons on the network or Undertaker fucking video game on Peacock. They're, yeah, they're not gonna. They're not going to get rid of a profitable. Whereas Braun, you know, Braun's a guy who had a potential main event status, you know, in 2017. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that, before that he was way, being being bullied mercilessly by Shane. Being, Man, being bullied and uh, battling Defiend. 
<laughs> oh, what did he? Oh, what did he say when he had Alexa above his head? I'll do it, fiend. <laughs> oh, what was it? It was something like that. It know. was. It was. He had her above his head. And he's like, "Where are you, fiend?" Oh God, that was, that was the end of him. That was the end of him. <laughs> but I, I love the the recurring thing of wrestler gets released and talks about how much Vince loved them. Vince loved all their ideas. Yeah, and speaking of Conan, we talked about Conan earlier. You know what Conan says, and he's right. The big smarks aren't in the crowd; they're in the be- they're in the backstage. Boom! They're on they're on Twitch. They're on their girlfriend's Twitch. <laughs> they're in the dressing room. Boom! He's right. He's hundred percent right. The big smarks are not in the crowd; they're in the they're backstage. Yeah, but it's just it just goes to show what a worthwhile rehire Johnny Ace was because the wrestlers buy it. They buy it that he's the bad guy. He's the one making the decisions. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's great. It's, and it's funny great. because specifically with um, Tommy End. Uh, I feel like in his in his loyalty to WWE, he's actually done himself harm as far as turning up in like an AEW as a hot commodity. I think if he had just said nothing, he would have kind of retained his his mystique as a mm. you know a potential hot uh, free agent. Absolutely, but I don't know something about this this coming out in, in defense of the company that just fired him really turned them off to me. Yeah, is it like, like is that not the ultimate counter to all the points about how he was? Like, it's like, yeah, but they f- not only fired you, they fired you in the middle of your reemergence of this brilliant character that they loved. Um, <laughs> Weird. Uh, isn't it? Yeah. Well, oh, I'm not even gonna get it. It's just yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, the brawn thing. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like I simultaneously was floored by it because he's like the exact template of what they want but then like i said you know it's he was he, he was they they fucked it up he was many years past his sell-by date and while i'm sure they don't think it's their fault they probably look at him as like well he's not over anymore and he's very expensive so you know whatever but um yeah he's the he's kind of the phil jones of the uh the wwe they signed him to a big <laughs> fat contract and now he's just sitting there and can't get rid of him uh the other ones all made sense i mean ruby riot's really good but also they they obviously they never did like anything with her. They never did anything with her. They, yeah, I'm not saying they could have set the world on fire, but they obviously had a something there with her and Liv Morgan. They've they've deliberately chosen not to do anything with them. Um, so yeah, Lana. I mean, look, she was great six years ago as Rusev's manager. That's about it. Uh, Buddy Murphy was a mild surprise. They've tried like once or twice with him and not stuck with it. Yeah. Um, I don't know where he would go. He's obviously super talented, but he's just kind of like does like AEW really doesn't need another guy who wrestles the way he does. They don't need a mid card high spots guy. They've got a million of them. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, that's the uh, that's the week in wrestling. Busy, busy enough wrestling week uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, we will be back next week with, uh, oh, what we got? More Dark Side of the Ring. Hopefully AEW being back to being good. They're going yeah. back to, wait, are they? No, they're not on Wednesday this week. Are they? they are. Saturday. Saturday this week. Saturday. Oh no, is it Friday this week and then Saturday? I don't know. Friday I, or Saturday. I think for the next three or four weeks, until the end of the month, they're basically Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I think, I think their return to Wednesday is their return, um, to touring anyway whatever uh that's that's on the horizon 
Also, um, I just want to say, if, if Floyd Mayweather had any balls, he'd be fighting me instead of Logan Paul. <laughs> gonna throw that in at the end there but but you know what he doesn't and he's just he's all about the money it's really sad it's yeah. really sad well he wouldn't fight you barry you kill him with one punch but like well, well, absolutely yeah but i'd have i'd step on him as far as <laughs> with my massive feet <laughs> it's swat him out of the way with your olive branch get out of here yeah oh, um God. how much is that fight how it's probably 100 quid is it on pay-per-view yeah we can you can probably watch, watch the 30 second version of it yeah i can I, I can watch mayweather taking a dive in a gif tomorrow um, <laughs> uh yeah so we'll probably talk about that next week and then we'll talk about uh our our initial wave of e3 reactions i suppose mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah um yeah all right and the euros so, and the euros Wee. more German. foot more footy talk and it'll probably be a monday show by the way um yeah. i can talk about the return to cinema so until then folks uh chairshoppodcast.com at chairshoppod to follow along on the old socials and uh yeah uh thanks for listening it's goodbye from me barry it's goodbye from joe goodbye and it's goodbye from Paul goodbye